the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Guest, starring Dan Stevens, Micah Monroe, and Brendan Meyer. Ooh, happy Halloween from the Undertaker. No, that's Paul Bearer. Uh, what's up, everybody? It is me, Sweet Sexy Z, one half of the pad team, welcoming you to our annual Spooktabular October Podcasting After Dark series. <laughs> and joining me, as always, is my beautiful bodacious naked mole rat of a co-host Corey stevenson what's <laughs> up brother what's up buddy yeah i think uh for some reason i think we usually leaned into christmas theme a little bit harder than than halloween although i think you did one dark night last year I um did. but yeah, yeah but this one is a more connected uh month i think um where we're this really is our first, like thematic month where we've done in a while yeah Yeah, we're really focusing hard this month, Um, and both of our films have uh, some connections to them, but starting off uh, with our double feature, our month-long double feature, is Zach's pick, The Guest. The Guest, baby. 2014's The Guest. Isn't it crazy uh, that this movie came out in 2014? Yes, it is, because you and I... Watched it, I think, pretty much right when it came out on VOD. We didn't see it in the theater. Um, I don't know if it even came out in the theater. Although, that being said, uh, living in L.A. gives you a different perspective sometimes. You know, if you're, yes. no offense or anything, but if you're in the middle of, like, Ohio or, you know, or something like that. Yeah, sometimes these lower-run movies aren't going to come out there. But if you're living in L.A. or New York or maybe even uh, D.C., you yeah. actually do get to see some of these limited uh, release films. I remember one that you and I saw was uh, that also has a connection with this film was John Dies at the End. That was a, a limited release film that we saw together in in, uh, in L.A. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of um, uh, I think Scream Fest is one of the, the horror uh, festivals they have down here in LA. I don't know if it's still running, but it used to be Scream Fest. Uh, they would show first run, uh, you know, 
movies that normally would go like straight to DVD or straight to streaming, streaming, <laughs> and they would um, show them at like the Man's Chinese Theater. That's where I saw this movie called The Signal, which mm. I'm going to be bringing up yet again because there's somebody from that movie in this movie. I think you and I saw The Signal as well uh, at your place at one point. I don't know if you saw it first in the theater and then brought yeah, it to me or I did. you caught it out. Okay. Yeah, and I love that movie. I'll talk a little bit about it in just a moment. But, um, yeah, before anyone starts going, wait a minute, what are you doing covering a movie that's so new? <laughs> well, this well, won't be our know, first time. It wouldn't be our first time covering a movie that's come out in the past uh, 10, 20 years. But but we wanted to cover movies that had a similar theme. Uh, we're not going to reveal what the next movie will be in Podcasting After Dark Land. You'll have to keep an eye out on our Instagram. Or if you want to really know, join our Patreon and you can get bonus content like our wrap up After Dark where we revealed what that movie is. And um, so those people who are patrons already know Robert, Aaron, Crystal. I, I mean, the list goes on. We've had we have amazing patrons. I'm just giving a quick shout out to all our awesome patrons. Um, but if you don't, and that's totally fine, and you could just leave us a five star review on Apple iTunes, that would be amazing, or Spotify. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, you can check out, keep an eye on our Instagram page for the Corey's pick. But I chose the guest because specifically one a i love this movie Two b i think it's underappreciated and three i don't think dan stevens gets as much credit as he deserves as a leading man hunky boy uh and i love me a good hunky boy in a in the in the most hetero life mate sort of way dan stevens is a stud farm in this movie um but but let's say number four too it's actually it actually takes place at Halloween, and that's not, oh, oh yeah, that's too, and that's, that's not too. quite the the <laughs> the combination of my pick in this one, but you'll you'll understand when when you see it and everything. Well, but yeah, this one is. does it, take place at Halloween. They both so do. They yes. both do actually. Yeah. Uh, it's an off kilter true cult movie. I think it's one of the best modern cult movies we've seen in some time. It's got a, a star studded cast, in my opinion, uh, at least for like genre people. And it's got a director and writer who I think are uh, tops of the pops when it comes to, like, fresh new content. Yeah, when you and I first, uh, you know, discussed podcasts after dark and incepting it and everything, um, I think the guest and It Follows were two modern movies that we knew from the get-go that we were going to insert into the the library and the discussion. Uh, I'm I'm with you, man. This movie, uh, the moment that I saw it with you, I fell in love with it. I have added it to my rotation. I usually watch it on Halloween. Um, I think... Uh, I think I've seen it more times than you probably. You have, <laughs> but uh, it, it, that doesn't. You know, that, it's a great movie. I have my guest T-shirt and everything like that, Same and uh, I'm just I'm happy to be, you know, just promoting this film in in the best possible sense. You know, putting it out there because, like you said, I think it's underrated, and I think more people need to see this movie because every time I watch it. I pick up on something new, and I think I like this movie even more every time I watch it. Yeah, I will say I watched it twice uh, to break it down, and uh, it was one of the most effortless breakdowns I've had in some time, and I was reminded of how much I do love this movie. So, uh, you know, it's it's going back in the consistent rotation. 
for sure. But we normally reserve this time to discuss our history with it. I think we just did. Yeah. Uh, there's not much more than that. But let's jump into the cast and crew. Directed by Adam Wingard. Uh, if you don't know who Adam Wingard is, then you're not a fan of modern cinema. <laughs> because he's been all over the place. Um, you know, notably, Your Next is, is one of his top, most popular kind of genre movies that he's done. He's directed segments from VHS, the, uh, that one of the greatest new anthology yep. movies. Uh, I put that and Trick or Treat next to each other yep. for sure. Uh, and, you know, he did Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> fairly recently. And to be honest with you, I didn't dislike that movie. I no. actually liked it. I, I, I like the, the Godzilla King Kong series. Me too. Uh, I thought he did a great job with that film. I thought he handled the the CGI and everything very well. Uh, one movie that I've I've wanted to watch that he directed but I've never seen was the Blair Witch uh, remake or reboot or slash sequel. I don't know how it plays out if it's just a proper remake or whatever. But the one that came out in 2016, I yeah. heard was quite good. Um, if it's anything that remotely better than Blair Witch Part Two: Book of Shadows, <laughs> which I saw in the be, theater, God, so did I. <laughs> My God, really quick on that. So I was at a Fangoria convention when they were promoting that. the The director came out. Uh, one, one of the stars, like they had a full like cast thing, cast and crew, kind of, kind of like Comic Con for it, and they showed a teaser. And the teaser was an overhead shot of the Pine Barren Mountains, I think, uh, or the I forget wherever the mountains were. And they played a whole song or a Courtney Love song, and it was very creepy and moody. And I was like, if this is the this if this is what they're going with, because I think the guy, yeah, the guy who directed it, you know, was a document documentary director um, who did like you know. Uh, the West Memphis Three and uh, like some hard hitting. My brother's Keeper is another one he did. Very hard hitting, gritty documentaries. And here he is promoting this movie. I'm like, oh shit, they got a great director. This promo's amazing. Then the movie comes out. Oh, beep, beep. God, it was it was such a fucking wet fart. Such that a movie. such a bummer. Yeah, but we will not be uh, having a bummer tonight for sure. No, thanks no. to Adam Wingard <laughs> and thanks to Simon Barrett who wrote the guest. Adam Wingard actually, I think, contributed to the script as well. Uh, but I know Simon Barrett was kind of like the, the he wrote the meat of this uh, the story. And he wrote your next as well, and yeah. the segments from like VHS and VHS ninety four. Yeah, I think uh, they're probably a duo, you know, writing slash working partner duo type of thing. They are, and 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 like much like uh, was it uh, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, who were like the director, writer, and producers. Right? Yeah. Uh, what a great team! I mean, yeah, not every movie hits the way you want it to, but for for these guys to be new to be fresh to have overall original ideas uh bring it on i want more of it yeah me too yeah and and i'll sing the praises of your next you know as well it'll probably never pop up on here uh, i think this it, i think the guest is is the better of the two the more cult of the two or the more appropriate for podcasting after dark but i i will always love your next i have the blu-ray i'll always watch it 
Yeah, I, I you know, and I always for some reason I get confused. I think I thought they did it follows. It just came out around the same time, and that's another one that actually I could see that popping up on our show down the road. Oh, it absolutely will. So maybe it'll be next October or something. But yeah, no, that I can guarantee you that it follows will pop up on Pad. Yeah, yeah. Cast and crew. Uh, well, that's the that's the you know. Well, I also want to really quickly point out the uh, composer because I have this soundtrack on vinyl. Shout out to our boy Lee Germani. Uh, Steve Moore did the soundtrack for this movie. He's done some cool genre movies like VFW, uh, Gutter Balls, which actually is pretty amusing. Um, you know, he's if you go into his resume, he's got a bunch of genre movies that he's worked on. But he shares a connection with two of our favorite composers, John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Right, Corey? Yes, yes, he does. Uh, apparently, according to IMDb's trivia, he used the same equipment to do the score for this as uh, John Carpenter did for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And you'll see Halloween 3 references in here. Now, I just want to say real quick that I watched VFW. Um, that score is very Carpenter-esque. It fits with the movie. This score is very Carpenter-esque. I would almost say we could discuss this movie on the Carpenter factor because I think this movie is... What if John Carpenter made a Captain America movie? And those aren't my words. That's what Dan Stevens said during the interview on the Blu-ray. Because um, I used to, I was like, is this what if John Carpenter makes a Terminator movie? I'm like, no. I think that's more appropriate. This is John Carpenter. If he made a Captain America film, it would be the guest. And it would go horribly, horribly wrong like this. <laughs> uh, that's a good, yeah. As you were saying that, I was trying to think about it. I'm like, does that make sense? Yeah. No, that tracks. I can but, see but, that. Going back to Steve Moore and just the the composer and everything, yeah. man, he just does a great job of not ripping off John Carpenter, but giving you the John Carpenter vibes. Yes. And I think that's probably more important. It's easy to rip something off, but it's it's harder to make something new, but have it have the the feel of that original. Yeah, this movie does a really nice job of paying homage and not feeling like you're ripping off. Right, correct. Which quite often other filmmakers do. This does not. Um, Dan Stevens, I think, as David, has carved out a very unique uh, character. There's been, you know, it, like Universal Soldier type vibes or, um, yeah, if you want to say Terminator, I guess, in a way. But, you know, what he does with this character is totally him. You know, people know him from Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. He's been in a bunch of. I mean, he's he's a he's an A list actor. He was in a Legion for for FX. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he did. A, I think Call of the Wild. He played a villain in that, and I was such a disappointment when I saw that movie because I'm like, oh, I like him as this. He was actually really good in this movie called Apostle that came out on Netflix. Um, it was it was it was like a, a cult horror movie, kind of a Wicker Man vibes. Maybe it could sit on the shelf like that, you know. Um, okay. But it was directed by Gareth Evans, uh, who did uh, some VHS stuff, and I think uh, the Raid, possibly too. I think the Raid. Oh. Yeah, he did the Raid. So that's nice. what makes it interesting. Is he did it? it the director of the Raid basically did a, a thriller horror film with Dan Stevens called Apostle, and I recommend it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, he's he's killer in this. It's hard for me to disassociate 
this role yeah. from other movies that he's been in. He kind of underwent a transformation in order to play David because apparently he was kind of uh, more more over I, technically overweight in Downton Abbey, uh, according to like what you read on like IMDb. Uh, and then he lost a bunch of weight for another movie. And he was, according to, again, IMDb, he was emaciated. So they wanted to beef him up. And he got all pumped up for this role, like the best shape he's ever been in. Um, and then he, there's a infamous shirtless scene that he does in this where he said, like, he went on this bodybuilder diet where he didn't drink or drink anything or eat anything for like 24 hours and then had a bunch of Diet Coke beforehand. And that's what <laughs> makes your veins pop out. Do oh. not try that at home, guys. You don't need it. Even though I was tempted to for the next interview I do in person. Just want to see how pumped up I can get. Anyways, um, yeah, he crushed it. He crushes this. And spoiler, he crushes it. Yeah, um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order from what IMDb lists. I'm going to go in the order that I consider the next lead actor, yes. which is Micah Monroe, who plays Anna Peterson. Um, she's in It Follows. Yes. And I was going to say earlier when you were like, uh, you know, this gives you shades of it, it Follows. And I was like, I was going to say maybe it's because of Micah Monroe. But yeah, she kind of exploded onto the scene, um, I feel, with, with two strong films, especially since It Follows also came out in the same year as The Guest. And uh, she, I saw the, the Independence Day sequel in, in the theater, and I, I got no problem with anybody, you know, playing different roles and stuff like that. But, like, Micah Monroe, like, you know, five foot one, 90 pound Micah Monroe playing like a, a fighter pilot. And oh, really? I'm just like, uh, it just, it didn't work for me. Uh, now that I've also seen Top Gun two and they actually have fighter, female fighter pilots in that who actually look like, you know, they're in shape and, and whatnot. I'm just like, yeah, Micah Monroe was not a good, a good, uh, uh, casting for that particular role, but she's fantastic in it follows. And she's great in this too. Yeah. I honestly think, um, she, is one of the most interesting actors to look at. Like, and I don't mean that in like a sexualized yeah. way at all. I mean that purely in like a, she's very interesting looking uh, and she makes interesting choices with her, with her, you know, acting. <laughs> I really dig her, man. I thought she was fantastic in this. I think she's just like, you know, people go, Oh, it's another blonde haired actor. Would it? No, she, she stands out in yeah. a really good way. And yeah, it follows Corey and I, that, that we watched that together, and that movie, we both jumped in certain scenes where we were legit scared. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it. And side note to It Follows, uh, per Zach's recommendation, my wife and I watched Soul Survivor 1984, a great movie. If you all have never seen it, all I'm going to say is It Follows owes so much to Soul Survivor, as does Final Destination. So check oh. it out on Shutter if you get a chance. Just bringing it up because we're mentioning It Follows right now. Yeah, and if you want to listen to $2 Late Fee talk about it, it's going to be on our next episode too. Awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Good plug. <laughs> Thanks. Um, really quick, uh, or not really quick, Brendan Meyer plays Luke Peterson. Brendan Meyer, uh, he, he was in a, a very underrated television series, in my opinion, called The OA. If you oh, haven't yeah. seen The OA, it, it was is on Netflix. A, yeah, it is A-OK. But it didn't finish. They canceled it before it was done, right? Nope. They could have finished it after season one. It could have ended after season one, honestly. Okay. It, season one is like a standalone season. Uh, you know, I just think not enough people got it, quote unquote. But 
man, what a bummer because it was really original. It's really, really original and really good. Well, if you say season one is kind of standalone, then I would uh, might track that down. You should. But of course, we saw him in Color Out of Space. We sure did. And I remember seeing him that and I'm like, oh, it's the guy from uh, The Guest. <laughs> yeah, the kid from The in Guest. In the OA. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Sheila Kelly plays Laura Peterson. Uh, if you didn't know, she's the, the mom of the two actors I just mentioned. But she's been around since the early 90s. Uh, I mean, she was in singles, Turner and Hooch. Uh, well, Turner and Hooch. The, the, the new the TV new show that my mom fucking loves. Oh, good for oh, shout out to your mom then. <laughs> good she doesn't for her. listen, but shout out to your mom. Yeah, I mean she's been in tons of things. Uh, so I married an axe murderer. She had a little un- uncredited role in that, but um, so much stuff since like the, the oh god, she's in one of the worst movies of all time in my opinion. Pure luck. A movie that I actually walked out of with my mom. We didn't even finish the movie. We walked out. It's called Where the Heart Is. It came out in 1990. <laughs> yeah, she's been around since the 80s, by the way. 1989. Uh this movie has like Dabney Coleman, Uma Thurman, Joanna Cassidy, Crispin Glover, Christopher Plummer. It is a piece of crap. <laughs> awesome. Like if it, you know when people say what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Where the Heart Is is the worst movie I've ever seen. And she stars in it. She's in it, by the way. Wow. Not a big okay. role, but she... Okay. Um, yeah, so Sheila Kelly, but she's great in this. Her husband in this, uh, Spencer Peterson, is played by Leland Orser. Who I love. I freaking love Leland Orser. Always have. Uh, I think probably... When I was a kid, I sort of noticed him. Probably in Alien Resurrection is when he sort of popped up into my my lexicon. But ever since then, I've always really just enjoyed him whenever he pops up on something. He always brings a, a, an interesting energy and vibe to him. And I kind of just like the way he talks, like his voice, you know? Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, rem- I remember seeing him for the first time in Seven. He's yeah. one of the guys who gets, like, raped by uh oh, No, he has Spacey. to do the raping with the bladed dildo or whatever. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, is interesting now because it's Kevin Spacey's the guy. And, like, now we know who Kevin Spacey is as, a he, like, a real person. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyways, he's great, in, he's great in everything he's in. He's great. Lance Reddick plays Major Carver. Another a, character actor that I fucking love. Badass. I mean, he's he's in John Wick. He's in your yeah. John Wick series. My John Wick series. Unfortunately, he was in that Resident Evil series uh, for Netflix that my Ooh. wife and I drudged through. It was terrible, but uh, he's he is great. I you hey he was in uh, Godzilla and King Kong also. Um, yeah. But he was also he's also does a lot of voice uh, work and also video game work. So he was in Destiny as well. But yeah, if if you guys if you've seen John Wick. He's the the maitre d that owns the not owns the hotel, but that runs the front desk of the hotel. And yeah, he's badass. He's great. Yeah. And speaking of Resident Evil, I think uh, Thomas G. Waits, friend of the show from the Warriors and the Thing, I think he's going to be in the new uh, season of Resident Evil. Well, there is no new season of it. Oh, well, he it, was on so set for Resident he, Evil. I, I I saw his Instagram. We follow him, and yes, yeah, something popped up that was Resident Evil esque, and I was like. Well, this is interesting, and then I didn't really see much more of it. So I don't know. I'll have to look into that. But, yeah, Netflix canned, canned it after first season. Yeah, well, it, good riddance. Yeah, Sorry. it sucked. I saw it. Uh, <laughs> but not for everyone working on it. For everyone working on it, I hope you get a great next job. Yes. Chase Williamson uh, plays Zeke. Where do we know Chase from? Oh, 
Bro, he plays Dave and John dies at the end. I mean, that I movie's will... going to have to show up on our yeah. pad eventually. Yeah, I think I think John dies at the end will be up there. If not, uh, we'll do we're going to do a Coscarelli as um, you know, a, a, an auteur de force. Um, but Chase Williamson, I did, I discovered him personally and and John dies at the end and I've been in love with him ever since, but <laughs> I I famously do not watch a lot of YouTube stuff. I did love a YouTube show called Video Game High School. He played a okay. character in, I think, season two and three. Uh, his name is Shane Pizza. And he is a fucking hilarious in that movie. He's fucking hilarious in John Dies at the End. And he, he's kind of fucking hilarious in this movie as well. He's got some great lines, for yeah. sure. That will come up. We'll, we'll bring up the lines. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Tabitha Sean plays Kristen. Uh, man, she's a babe. Uh, <laughs> uh, you'll if you've never seen this movie, then you'll you'll find out in about the twenty five minute mark. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, she, she's she's been in a bunch of stuff. I, I th- I'm like I'm watching Zach get flustered. I'm thinking about. I, th- I was like, I think we figured out Zach's type. <laughs> <laughs> My my wife knows what's up. She knows what's up. Um, yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff, man. Like, I better call Saul Preacher. Um, the yeah, yeah, the Preacher Show. Yeah, the Preacher Show was pretty decent. I, I watched a couple of episodes of that by the, back in the day. Uh, Godless, I think she that that was a that was a TV show too, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Godless actually no. Godless, I know Godless now. Yeah, that's a great show. And if you've never seen Godless, you should check it out if you're a fan of Westerns, like okay. old school Westerns. Um, and rounding out, I'm going to mention two more, well, three more people. Joel David Moore plays Craig. Uh, you know this guy if you saw him. He was in the Avatar movies. That's probably his biggest claim to fame. I, I loved him in Grandma's Boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And Dodgeball, too. He was great in Dodgeball. He's, I, he's another character. So this movie is weirdly jammed packed with weird quirky character actors that i love like leland orser and like joel david moore who i think also uh produced or directed or wrote the first hatchet movie um so he's also a creative as well um but i'm not gonna lie i fucking loved ethan emory embry as well as as far as character actors go like you guys, Ethan Embry plays Higgins. Very small role in this, but um, if you don't know who Ethan Embry is, if you if you're not if you didn't watch movies back in the '90s, <laughs> late '90s, then that's probably why you don't know who he is. He was in everything in the '90s. Though. Yeah, Empire. I can't hardly wait. That thing you do. I mean, those are two huge '90s movies. Uh, late '90s movies that everybody back in the day was like uh, singing the songs to both of those movies. And my yeah. God, he yeah he was everywhere. And then he got older, and then it kind of changed. Yeah, but honestly, I thought he looked good in this, and with his like more shaved hair, kind of balding look, and everything. I was like, I was like, I get it. You're you're not that kid anymore, and can't hardly wait. Um, but I thought he was fantastic. And yeah, his, he was in, in his two minute uh, role. You know, I I totally agree. I totally agree. He recently like popped up in the show called Sneaky Pete, and if you never oh, saw yeah. Sneaky Pete, he was really good in that too. Uh, I'm just gonna mention one more actor. Because I just want to shout out the movie that he originally saw him in. A.J. Bowen plays Austin. He's like um, Major Carver's assistant, uh, like right-hand man guy. Oh, uh, I was it, like, I was trying to figure out who he was in the in the on IMDb, and I couldn't. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so A.J. Bowen, he was in, well, Corey just posted this recently on the Instagram, uh, our Instagram, The House of the Devil. 
Um, he's been in a bunch of genre things, but he was in The Signal. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know who he is in House of the Devil. I just watched that two nights ago. Ah, uh, yeah. damn. And he was okay. in Satanic Panic. I mean, he's been in a bunch of genre movies. Okay. Um, but, the, but The Signal, if you've never seen The Signal, it's an anthology movie. Think, uh, think horror version of a Tarantino movie. Uh, because all the the anthology episodes kind of tie together at the end, and he's fantastic in it. The the signal has another interesting soundtrack. Uh, just I can't say enough good things about the signal. If you've never seen it, go check it out. So I know that you I I I think you and I watched the signal together, but I thought there was another movie called the signal. With with Lawrence Fishburne or something. There was okay, yeah, not as good. Yeah, the, that, the, we watched yeah. that one as well together. Yeah, that was not bad. That was not bad. But th- this is a different the signal. This is 2007's the signal. The other one that I'm thinking of is 2014. Oh, the... same same year, man. 2014 was a big year for you and I uh, watching movies because we watched that one as well. Yeah, that the 2014 version of the Signal, but then there's the 2007 version is the one that you like better. Yeah, yeah. Seek out that one. Okay. Um, it's it's really it's really good. And they're uh, not connected at all. They're not connected at all. The, the the one with Lawrence Fishburne wasn't bad. It just it's just kind of like meh. Yes, yeah. the the one from um, 2007, which is an indie, definitely an indie movie. Highly recommend that one. Okay. Okay. Cool. Awesome. So yeah. So uh, you know, we are we we rounded out the cast and crew. Why don't we jump into this bad boy and hook up the guest? Can I help you, Mrs. Peterson? Yes. My name is David, Mrs. Peterson. I uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You know Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We're pretty close. Yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're going to be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's feeling up to it. What are you going to do? Nothing bad. For the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here, you keep it. Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. But I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. Peterson, it's no problem. 
All right. So the guest opens with, uh, you know, the traditional universal logo, yada, yada, yada. But then it has the opening title for the production company. And it is actually inspired by Canon. Yeah. Uh, Adam Wingard wanted to use the original Canon logo. So the logo they use for the production company, it's, it's very reminiscent of the Canon logo. Canon-esque. Yeah. I, I, I smelled it when I saw it. I was like, oh, I can feel it, you know? But then I'm like, yeah, but your movie's better than a lot of Canon movies. <laughs> like, yeah. I wouldn't call this a Canon movie. I call this maybe Carl Co. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, Carl Co. would be perfect, dude, because you got like a Stallone action movie or, mm-hmm. a, you know, Terminator or Running Man or something like that. Anyways, yeah, the movie opens with that. And then there's a shot of a dude running down an open road, uh, country road, in what appears to be like military fatigues and a hoodie and a big backpack on his back. Uh, As he's huffing and puffing, suddenly the title card pops up with that sound, that brown, and it just says the guest in bright purple. Yeah, so good. So many times that they use this this weird musical note, this cue, in in interesting ways, and it's it's really cool. And I just want to throw out now that uh, he he Adam Wingard uh, uh, said that this movie, this is a horror movie shot like a thriller. So that's kind of uh, you got to sort of understand that going into it. Totally agree. Totally agree. From there, we cut to a. Um front yard of a home in new mexico this by the way this whole movie was filmed in new mexico and i mean from the minute i saw it i was like yep that's new mexico um there's shots of you know it's halloween because there's halloween decorations out front of the house which is awesome love that yep early in the morning uh cut to a kid uh eating breakfast at the table uh his dad and we that's luke by the way anna's brother and spencer takes luke to school And the mom, Laura, is kind of wrapping up everything and they leave. And then she's kind of staring distantly out into nothing. Cut to her sitting in the living room of the house and she's staring at a wall uh, like a mantle. And on the mantle are pictures of what we will find out soon is her son. uh, And it's like a military kind of like uh, memorial to him. One of the things this movie does spectacularly is it shows the trauma on the parents without ever telling you, yeah, we know he's dead and everything. You, you understand that right away, but they don't, you know, later on you see the daddy drinks maybe a little bit, but not really all that crazy, but you can tell it's probably because of the trauma. And then this is how she's dealing with it. But there's no part of this movie that ever turns into a screaming match saying, all you do is stare out the wall or her saying, all you do is drink because it's, it's just the characters in this movie, I think are written and acted very realistically, but they're put into a very sort of unrealistic big situation. But I think the acting is always down to earth in this film. And this is right out of the gate. This whole interaction, the way the dad acts and everything is just, it's, I think it's a great example of the down to earth acting that this movie has. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I also feel like there's some tongue in cheek moments where they're supposed to be playing it straight, but as an audience, you're laughing because they're the the line lands kind of funny or yeah. you know depending on what spencer specifically says the dad. Oh, yeah spencer doorbell rings uh laura gets up to answer the door she opens the door and you are introduced to david she looks at him kind of mysteriously 
and he introduces himself uh, as as David to her. He automatically knows her name and that kind of startles her a little bit. And then he says, I knew your son, Caleb. We served together. We were friends. And she immediately welcomes him in the house. And as she walks in, he looks, he's like kind of looking around the whole house and offer, she offers him anything. And he says, he'll take some water. She says, how did you get here? And he says, I ran. He says from the bus station in town. And she's like, that's at least 20 miles. And he's like, well, I needed the exercise. (laughs) And you're like, this dude ran for 20 miles. Yeah. And this job does a great job. This job, this movie does a great job of, of layering in the weirdness. Yes, it does. Because right after that, she gives him a glass of water and he drinks the glass of water like he's a camel. Like he's just consuming the entire thing in one, almost like in one gulp. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Immediately, you're like, okay, this dude seems nice, but there's something kind of off about him. Yeah, right? and the fact that he's, you know, Dan Stevens is so good-looking and everything, your your guard is immediately down when you're near him, and I think that's a lot of the, the fun of the movie comes from that. Yeah. She asks David when he got out of the military service, and he says, well, I was discharged on Wednesday, came straight here from Fort Kenilworth. She goes, you came here first thing? He goes, yeah, I wanted to come by sooner, but I couldn't get leave. And she asks why. And he says, well, I was discharged because I was wounded. I was in a military hospital for a bit, so it wasn't really the kind of thing I could get leave from. But don't worry. It's just a bit of shrapnel in my back. I'm right as rain now. (laughs) And then she's like, no, I didn't. And he goes, she's like starts to ask him something else. And he goes, oh, no, why I'm here? He said, like I said, your son Caleb and I were pretty close, and I was with him when he died. And then she starts to kind of look a little more emotional. And he goes, well, one of the things he asked was for me to check on you all, you and your whole family here. And he wanted me to tell you that he loved you. He's, and then she kind of like lowers his voice a little bit. And he goes, he specifically wanted me to tell each and every one of you that he loved you. And then he was thinking of you guys up until the end. I said I'd do that. So here I am. She excuses herself. And has like a, a breakdown in the laundry room crying. Now I'm going to ask you things during the course of this breakdown. Do you think that was a lie or do you think that was the truth? Like, do you think David like really was like with him, Caleb, and he, you know, and, and something went down like this? That's a good question. No. Okay. Because based on what we see later, the evidence of who David is. The guy looks like he's like not in his right mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But heard okay. the stories. Yeah. Yeah. So Laura, Laura's having a meltdown in the laundry room, but she's crying over the sound of the washer, trying to like mask the sound. She finally comes out of the laundry room. David's standing in the front room and he's looking at the photos of Caleb surveying each one. Actually. Yeah. This is interesting. This is interesting. He points himself out in the photograph of the group that they're with. So maybe he did. Maybe he was there. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So this movie's interesting. If if you've seen it, you know you don't kind of have a straight answer on a lot of things. I'm kind of inclined to believe that this is a real statement that, that he's making. 
And I think Caleb, maybe they were in something together. You know, they were in a co-op, a co- covert ops type of thing. Um, because I do think they were in the same program together. Um, I do believe that because he does say that at the end when in the firefight in the kitchen. So I think that Caleb really was mortally wounded and, like, tells this guy in, in a moment of weakness, like, look after my parents or my family. And he does that, and that's what starts this movie but you can't ask somebody like this to do that because it won't turn out the way you think it will or you want it to. It's going to turn out the way this movie turns out. But yeah. I think that basically the the dying breath of his, of their son unleashed this monster onto them. Interesting. That's my okay. takeaway. And from there, he was galvanized to break out. He probably wanted to anyways, but this gave him that reason to go on a mission. This was like, I. this is my mission I'm going to be doing, which is, again, probably just a reason to break out anyways. Well, Corey is the king of world building, so uh, <laughs> I'll, you, give I'll give it Thank to you. I'll give it to you. Um, yeah, so he points himself out in the photo, and he stands out in the photograph. Like, everybody looks like they're all in the same fatigues, but yet uh, David looks different than everybody else. He's wearing, like, a like all black or something. It's just, it, he looks different. yeah. Laura examines the photo and she's like, well, I'll be. And he goes, I remember that day. And then suddenly he, he like stops for a second and he looks at Laura and he says, it wasn't my intention to upset you. You know, I probably should have called first, but I don't own a phone yet. And I guess I, I just wasn't thinking I'm going to be on my way. But if, if we could exchange emails or something and she immediately is like, no, no, no. Because now she like trusts him. She puts her arm on him, her hand on his arm too. And she goes, um, uh, Caleb's sister, Anna, she works nights and she sleeps late. I'm sure she'd like to meet you. And won't you stay a little bit longer? Fun fact, if you watch the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray of this, there's a cut scene right after he's running where you see Anna coming home from a late night shift. Okay. explains why, she, why she's in bed asleep. Okay. So, okay. So in, in the deleted scenes, that would have been the first time you, you saw her, not when the camera highly sexualizes uh, her right away here. <laughs> when they show, when the camera pans up her like pantsless legs, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, somebody has a hard on for Mika or whatever her name is. I, could, I, could I mean, who why. doesn't? <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Yeah, and David, really quickly, David just says, you know, you're not just saying that to be polite because she says, won't you stay a little, little bit longer? And no, Laura's like, no, you know, she insists, basically. She's, it's nice having you here. Uh, I like, I'd like to hear more about you and Caleb. David's like very respectful. Well, all right. Cut to, yes, the... <laughs> T to top to bottom shot or bottom to top <laughs> bottom shot, to I guess. <laughs> Panning up of, uh, of of Anna in bed, waking up. She hears some kind of laughter coming from the living room, so she gets up and, and comes outside. Uh, she sees that her mom and David are, are sitting on a, a couch, and David's telling a story. David's telling the story. He's like, so Caleb and me, well, we figure that Sounds more like a challenge than anything else. So that night after he falls asleep, whoever he is, we crept over to his cot with a tube of super glue. And Laura's like, oh, no. He's like, nah, we didn't do anything too bad to him, though we could have. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> this guy, something's up. Read the room, and then suddenly <laughs> Laura and David see Anna. David immediately stands up to introduce himself. And Laura in- introduces David for her, for him. David says, I'm very pleased to meet you. Caleb told me a lot about you. And Laura says, and David was just discharged. He was friends with your brother. 
And Anna kind of gets emotional for a second, and she's like, you knew Caleb? And he goes, yes, ma'am. I promised I'd check in on you guys if anything happened. And Anna, like, uh, snickers and goes, ma'am? Okay, where do you live? And he goes, well, originally just outside of Louisville. And she's like, no, so, so where are you staying? And he's like, well, I, I noticed a motel off the highway on my way here, so I'll likely stay there, and then I'll be on my way tomorrow. And Laura immediately is like, no, 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 you're going to stay with us. <laughs> and David's like, I don't want to put you out. She's like, nonsense, we'd love to have you. And Anna's already, like, glaring at her mom, like, what the hell? We don't even know this guy. Yeah, she doesn't trust him sort of right out of the gate. Right out the gate. And, he, and she goes, no, we insist And David goes, well, I won't argue, but just for tonight, though. And Anna clears her throat, and she's like, "Uh, I got to go to work, so it was nice to meet you, David. And David's like, likewise, very nice meeting you. And she goes, I guess I'll see you later. Laura says, well, here, let let me show you to your room, David. So Anna leaves, and Laura takes David to his room, which is Caleb's bedroom, which is weird. And it's interesting. I was I was looking at it. Uh, he has a lot of uh, models and um, some encyclopedias and stuff. And so I was like, OK, OK, he's you know, we know that if he is in the same program as David here, I think it's it's like, you know, some kind of black ops type of thing. I think they're taking smart people. I think, you know, maybe David was crazy, but I think he might have been a little bit smart, too. Um, and I think all these things like having a bunch of models everywhere it shows that I think it shows that Caleb had that kind of intellectual mindset, even though he also joined the army. I think it, it's also all of that stuff is in there to illustrate that his that Caleb's mindset was was a different kind. He's not just a jock. He wasn't just a football guy or something, you know? Yeah, we're going to find out later on in the movie that there's some sort of medical procedure that these guys went under, uh, which... Yeah most likely caused him to be the way he is. Exactly. At this point, David's like looking around the room and he says to Laura, he's like, Mrs. Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying in here? She's like, of course, not like it's going to any good use. So she leaves him to the room and shuts the door. David's looking around the room and then he sits down on the bed looking kind of like out the window, but very blankly and very like vacant stare, but like very intense. And it's the first time you get a glimpse as to like, there's something off about this guy. Yeah, and the score behind it is fantastic. Yeah, it's very creepy. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) And now, back to the show. 
cut to the high school and there's uh, in, in the hallway at the high school where the lockers are, there's a big banner that says sign up for the fall dance, Halloween night. Uh, you're introduced to Luke. He's walking down the hallway. He's very like, uh, you know, it looks like your average teenager, but not like a jock guy, more like a, if you're going to stereotype, he's more like a gamer type kid. Yeah. And he's walking down the hallway. You're introduced to a group of like jocks, football dudes, um, and just total jerks. One of them says, hey, watch this. He slams Luke's face into a locker. Luke lets out this big old whale, and the football jock says, calls him a fucking pussy. And uh, they all laugh at each other. They all get up in his face and laugh at him. And they walk off down the hall, and he's holding his face with a big old red mark. Yeah, man, that was a hard slam right into the locker, too. It sure was. Man. Good old high school jocks. Good old high school jocks. From there, uh, we cut to the end of the school day. Luke's leaving, and his mom's waiting for him in her brown uh, Jeep Cherokee in the front of the school. And as he sees his mom, he pulls his, puts his hood over his head to kind of conceal the big red mark on his face. He gets in the car. His mom's not even looking at him. She's like, how was your day? And he's like, it was good. And she's like, oh, great. Like, she's kind of off to lunch on her own. You know, she's checked out. Yeah. Cut to the next scene where Luke and David are sitting at the kind of dining room table david is glaring at luke and luke looks super uncomfortable and he's like uh, so you knew my brother david goes i did pretty well and like as he's talking at first it's super intense but then he starts to kind of mellow out and he's like he wanted me to tell you that he loved you and luke's like oh uh thanks and, th- and that was a great reaction i think from you know luke i think that was a very what a 16, 15 year old boy would, he's not going to know what to say. He's just like, well, okay, what the fuck, man? Yeah. yeah. And David, David's looking at him. Like if you, some perfect stranger looking at you and saying, your brother wanted me to tell you that he loved you. You'd be like, okay, this is super awkward. And, and also, go. and also too, if you notice, go back and watch it again. Uh, Dan Stevens does not blink a lot on no. purpose. Uh, that he that was a choice that he made, especially like on close up shots and everything. He just really tries not to blink, and that it adds to the eeriness of everything. And he yeah. just like kind of locks eyes with you constantly. Totally, totally. And as this is going on, we're introduced to uh, uh, the dad, Spencer. He's arguing with Laura in the hallway near the kitchen, and he's like saying to his wife, he's like, we can't invite a stranger to stay with us, even if he, even if he was friends with Caleb. And, and, his, and Laura's like, no, he was in the photo of Caleb's squad. It's not like he's some stranger. And then Spencer goes, well, what if he's got the, uh, the PTSD or whatever it is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he's like, a lot of these guys come back. They have problems. And Laura's like, you know, what if Caleb had come back different? And Spencer's like, well, that's not fair, you know, and they're yeah. arguing in the background and cuts back to David and Luke. And David goes, your parents are fighting about me. And Luke goes, yeah, they argue a lot. And David goes, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's all he says. Huh? And then David goes, he's kind of looking at studying Luke's face. And he goes, you look like you got hit or something. And Luke goes, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got I, I got hit with a football in, in gym class. I wasn't paying attention, like immediate cover up. And David goes, that can happen. 
<laughs> and Luke goes, yeah. I love that. I love that. I'll say it again. The way the David emphasized it a little bit different. He's like, that can happen. Like, yeah, like yeah, he that, doesn't. That's believe a valid him. excuse. Yeah, type of thing. Like, like it's like, yeah, like you get the sense that he's like, I don't really believe you, but I, okay, I'll buy your your story for now. You know, right, right. Spencer finally comes in with with uh, with Laura, and he's like, okay, like kind of cuts to the chase. He's like, we're very happy to have you here, David. Would you like to have a beer? I'm having one. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to the shit. I need a drink. And David's like, no, 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 thank you. And Spencer's like, okay, fine. Suit yourself. He this, he says suit yourself, I think, a, a, another time later on in the movie. And and this is where you get the sense that, like, he's always kind of drinking and everything. And, again, I think this movie does a great job. The mom never yells at him about it. No one ever says anything about it. But you can tell that she has before. So he kind of immediately defends himself whenever he gets a drink. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I think it's... It's it's a great example of how to create character interactions and, and backstories and understanding where the characters are coming from without saying, I drink because I lost my son. Like, he, they don't ever come out and say it. You just understand it. You're like, okay, I get it. And I think that's where the quality of this film lies is in its choices not to tell you things. Agreed. And, and he also is uh, very insecure, yeah. too, which we find out in, in just a moment why. But this is funny because Laura says, you know, she's like, dinner will be ready in an hour. Luke, why don't you go to your room to do some homework? <laughs> and Luke's like, oh, OK. So Luke gets up and leaves. And at the same time, Spencer's David, uh, David's back is to Spencer. Spencer is in the kitchen. David's at the dining room table. And you see Spencer like kind of studying David for just a half a second. Yeah. From there, you cut to a uh, playground at night. It's Anna with her boyfriend, Zeke. He's smoking weed. She's like kind of stoned and they're play. They're playing with each other a little bit, like going the swings back and forth. And, uh, and Zeke's like, so this, this friend of your brother, is he sticking around? And she's like, I, I don't know. I hope not. And he's like, why not? I thought you said you liked him. And she's like, I said, he seemed nice. That's not the same thing. And Zeke's like, okay, well, why don't you like him? And she's like, I don't not like him. He's like, I mean, you kind of, you knew Caleb. I know mom and dad have been trying to move on. It's not like they don't have enough reminders of him in this town. And then Zeke's like, well, it seems normal. Your your kid dies. That's hard. And she's like, well, we just don't need a walking, breathing reminder of Caleb hanging around right now. And Zeke's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And then Zeke like tries to get her to, she, she's like, oh, I got to go. And he's trying to get her to stay. And they start to kiss. And he, she, and she's like, you know, I'm going to be late as it is, but I'm sure we can, we'll find some time tomorrow night at, at Kristen's party. And I got to say the way, uh, you know what chase is that his name? Uh, who plays Zeke. Zeke. Yeah. Well, uh, the actor, oh, the actor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is a great, uh, example or um, the most accurate people smoking weed in a movie I've ever seen because <laughs> coming from Corey, the <laughs> coming expert from... weed smoker of the show, <laughs> someone who smokes weed, Every single day. And let me tell you, all those movies that show like, oh, man, you start hallucinating and all this kind of shit when you smoke. No, that doesn't happen. What happens is you sit there, you take a hit, 
and then you you get you give a slow response and then you piss your girlfriend off like that is literally what happens and i mean do, do you, after you piss your girlfriend off do and she leaves do you look at her like annoyed that you didn't get to have sex with her of course because you're a, you know an 18 year old boy or 20 i think they're 20 they're supposed to be well, 20 uh, well, but he, i can guarantee you that chase williams smokes weed in real life because he knew exactly how to play zeke in this moment here i think he's supposed to be older than her Oh, do you, okay. So she's about to turn twenty-one. You think he's a smidge older than she is? Maybe a twenty-two, yeah, because 23? that's yeah. Because Spencer later kind of alludes to the fact started dating my daughter when she was seventeen, type of thing. Yep. And, and yep. never saying how old he is, but that implies that he was older. Yeah, I never did that. No, I didn't either. I, I usually always dated like sort of my own. Well, when I was in high school, when I was in that area, it wasn't until I moved out to LA that I sort of dated younger or whatever. Well, no, when I was 18, I dated a girl who's 16. Yeah. I mean, if you're both in high school, like, you know what I, I mean? Was, I just got out of high school. Oh, well, you're she was a the, I called her the Juice Club girl. <laughs> oh, my she God. She worked at, before before Jamba Juice, there was Juice Club. Mm. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know how I asked her out? I said, I Juice said. Juice me, uh, baby. Well, no, this was like when Wheatgrass first came out and everybody's like, oh, Wheatgrass, it's so weird, you know? And so I walked in, and I would go. I'd take shots of wheatgrass before I went out clubbing, and I'd go to dance clubs in San Francisco, San Francisco, and uh, with with Mark Fong and my whole group, right? Oh, the Fonginator. The Fonginator. And so I asked for a wheatgrass shot, and she's like, "You like that stuff?" I go, "I sure do." I said, uh, "She's like, wow." Well, she goes, "I'll tell you what. Uh, if you do two shots of wheatgrass, I'll give you your drink on the house." I said, how about if you give me two shots of wheatgrass, you give me your phone number. Boom, buddy. <laughs> smooth. That's a smooth one, my friend. Yeah. You're like, I have my moments. <laughs> They're few and far between. I used to be really good with that shit. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> From there, you cut back to back to the Peterson house. Peterson's. And Luke is doing uh, homework on the on the ground with David watching him. <laughs> so David watching him. It's funny because Luke's like explaining this math problem really intricately. Um, and so, so David goes, and then finally Luke looks at David. He's like, do you, do you get it? Do you understand? And, and David goes, not really. <laughs> no. And, and then he goes, all I know how to do is kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I know is to put a bullet in a gun and shoot somebody with it. He goes, so you're kind of smart, huh? <laughs> and Luke goes, I guess so. And uh, sorry, there's a helicopter. What can you do? You yeah, you have a hel- there's a helicopter every episode. Sorry, dude. No, oh, no, it's not, <laughs> fucking I didn't Santa mean to Monica. didn't mean to make it sound like that's your fault at all. No, it's not. <laughs> when when we when we hit when we fucking cash those checks, yo, yeah, we'd be hit having a <laughs> booth, giant booth. Okay. Suddenly, Anna comes home. Oh, Spencer, by the way, is sitting on the couch drinking. Yes. And uh, sees Anna walk in. He's like, how'd it go? And she's like, good, not too busy, alluding to work. And uh, and David looks at, Spencer looks at David. And he's like, David, sure I can't get you a beer? Like, he's really kind of pushing beer because he doesn't want to drink alone. No, he wants a drinking buddy. Yeah, and then David goes, you know, I will have one. And Spencer's like, great. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and then Anna goes, I'll take one too. He's like, nice try. She's like, I'm 21 in a month. He's like, and you can have all the beer you want then, assuming you buy it yourself. And then she, Anna's like studying David, and she's like, are you helping him with his homework? And David goes, not exactly. 
at this point, Anna gets up to leave and go back into her room. And Spencer's like, stay out here. Be sociable. And she's like, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to go lie down. Spencer's like, fine. Suit yourself. Second suit yourself. Chinese. Says, suit, yeah, there you go. suit yourself. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck, Fuck me. Fuck, Fuck me. me, right? <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck just, me in the ass. Just trying to party here with my, my kid and, and, hey. my, and my dead kid's friend, you know? <laughs> just trying to party. Just, <laughs> what's, what's wrong with trying to party? Come on, Come on guys. Suit yourself. Let's party. <laughs> so from there he cut to later on in the evening david and spencer are still at the couch get the sense that they've been there for some time drinking a bunch of beer because there's a bunch of beers on the table yeah david is sober as hell and spencer is like stuttering and kind of stumbling and, and definitely burping. drunk burping, burping mid-sentence yep. <laughs> right and so he's he's in in mid-talk about something going on at work about um this alan who's been there for four uh, he's only been there four years, but he's got a degree and suddenly he's regional manager. And she's like, I know Laura, she wonders what's going on. If, I, if I'm ever going to make any money. And that's again, like speaks to his probably his insecurity about the yeah. fact that, you know, well, she they, probably doesn't give a shit. I mean, they got a because decent David house. Goes, I mean, yeah, yeah, they got like a they're doing house. bad. <laughs> and David goes, your wife seems to respect you, sir. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But he's like, but what about you? What, what are your plans? And David's like, I haven't really given it that much thought. Figured I'd get on a bus tomorrow, head towards Florida, start looking for work. I'd done some construction before. I'm sure I could find something. Spencer's like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. You, you should stay. You should stay with us for a couple more days. And David's like, I couldn't impose on your hospitality, sir. And Spencer goes, now that's enough with the sir. My name's Spencer. And, <laughs> and then David's like, okay. He's like, stick around until you, you know, until you know where you're going, Okay. And David goes, okay, a couple more days. And then Spencer goes, cool, excellent, great. It's a deal. We should drink on it. Yeah. Somewhere in all of this discussion, he burps like mid-sentence. And I'm just like, gross. <laughs> he's, it's gross, but it's so funny. Like the guy the guy is so good. You get the sense that maybe he's like improving a little bit. Yeah. And it's so good because it, it legit feels like a, like a nervous wreck kind of parent. Who's just had too many beers? Right? Yeah, no, it's uh, all the acting in this feels very weirdly down to earth, but the movie so very much isn't. No, no, and then Spencer's like, "You sure can hold your liquor, huh?" And David goes, "I guess so." Yeah, and he's like, "You tired?" And he goes, "No, I don't need much sleep." And suddenly the camera just like closes in on him, looking creepy as fuck i love it. those are the moments that i like where where it's like the camera knows what's up, but yet everyone around doesn't. You know? Yeah. We're about to approach my favorite scene of the movie, my entirely favorite scene of the movie, bar none. Is it because it says Moriarty High School? Oh, the bar scene, yes. Yes. By the, yeah, by the way, if I didn't mention it already, the high school's name is Moriarty High School. And I thought that maybe that was on purpose to, like, you know, for, for maybe a tongue-in-cheek, but then I look on IMDb, and I think it was just that was the name of the town. Like, it was Moriarty, New Mexico. I was like, oh, sense. I thought that was, like, a reference to – I don't know the stuff or something like that, you know. I, dude, you stole my line because I was about to say that was in reference to BDE Michael yeah. Moriarty. I I thought so, so I was kind of a little disappointed when I found out that it was just filmed in Moriarty, New Mexico, and I was like, well, oh, that's just, just the name it, of the high school. <laughs> hey, it's our podcast. Let's just call it Michael Moriarty High School. There, there you, you go. go. Perfect. Absolutely <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So cut to the next day. It's high school. Uh, the day has ended. Luke's coming out of the high school. And the the SUV, Laura's uh, um, brown SUV's there, but she's not driving it. David is. 
Luke gets in the truck to go home and he looks over at David like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he even says, he's like, what are you doing here? And David says, I told your mom I could pick you up from school today. That cool? Yeah, it's okay. And David goes, don't you like have any friends? (laughs) Luke, Luke, this whole time looks so nervous and looks at me. He's like, I have lots of friends, just like not here, like online. <laughs> David goes, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Luke goes, are we going to go now? And David goes, in a little bit. Luke says, what are we waiting for? And he goes, you should show me who hit you yesterday. And Luke says, I-, I got hit with a football. And David goes, yeah. <laughs> and then Luke goes, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, nothing bad. <laughs> so Luke points out the dudes that beat him up the day before uh says like out of the group of like four guys mike and ian are the worst of them the guys are real assholes and uh then luke says can we just go now and david goes yeah so they start driving off cut to them pulling into a dive bar moments later the club 203 bar (laughs) yes dive bar off the road Which is probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon because high school just got out. Right. And uh, when they pull and Luke is like looking at David and he's like, what are you going to do? And David goes, they're going to a bar. And Luke goes, yeah, that's the place that'll serve you beer if you're on the football team. And David goes, I could use a drink. How about you? And Luke's like, no. And David just smiles. And he goes, you coming? And Luke's like, no. And David goes, well, I'll be inside if you change your mind. So this is like one of those varsity blues type of towns, right? Where the the local high school football team is is everything to everybody. We kind of got we we saw that in uh, the Blob remake that we reviewed a couple years ago. It's just th- those little tiny towns where, man, the local high school football team is everything. Exactly, exactly. Are, are you a varsity later- blues fan? Oh, I, I think varsity blues is is one of the best football movies. I 100% agree with you. Of course you do, because we're soulmates. And I love their use of Thunderstruck during the uh, and, one of those games. Yep, and Foo Fighters My Hero, Yep, too. Great movie. Um, Brian Robbins directed that. He was on the show Head of the Class. He was the uh, the kid who wore the leather jacket. Oh, okay, okay. I used to watch that show Head of the Class, yeah. Okay. And he produced uh, Smallville. Or, oh. And um, or he created it. He's like the creator or producer of Smallville and did a bunch of like Nutty Professor, a bunch of movies. He he segued. I only know that because he was a parent at my school and very nice guy. So and every time I saw him, I'm like, I love Varsity Blues. I I, I would love. To, I need to watch that again. I saw that in the theater. I used to own the DVD. I've seen it quite a few times, but then I haven't seen it in like 20 years now you know yeah I, wasn't it chris evans one of his first movies he yeah. ever did yeah i think so yeah with the shaving cream or yep. whipped cream or, yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah so from there suddenly the the you see a shot of the inside of the bar door opens up and in comes luke and i love suddenly, how behind him on the door it says when it closes behind him it says no fighting and i was like ah a little foreshadowing a little foreskin uh, <laughs> shadow foreskin little foreskin <laughs> little foresk- shadow <laughs> little foreskin for luke um <laughs> when he comes in you see the football guys mike and ian and the, the and i think another one's name is jason uh one of the guys looks over at luke and goes what the fuck and then the other guy goes maybe that's his boyfriend or something <laughs> And then David kind of waves Luke over to his table that he's sitting at. David then waves a bartender over 
bartender comes over and he's like, I'm going to have to see some ID. And then David looks over at the football gang and says, did you ID all of them? And the bartender just kind of sighs and he's like, what can I get you? And David goes, do you know how to make a fireball? Bartender says, yeah, cinnamon schnapps and Tabasco sauce. And David goes, that's my drink of choice. Let me get one of those, a Coke for my brother. And I can't help but notice those ladies over there drinking some cheap beer. That seems like a shame. I'd like to buy them each a blowjob shot. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love this. And then the bartender goes, are you serious? And David's pulling money out of his wallet. And he goes, I am. Yes. And he says, the bartender goes, did you want to buy anything for their fellas? And Do David I goes, yeah. look like I want to buy anything for the fellas? <laughs> like <laughs> like a big smirk. And he's like, yeah, exactly. The bartender goes, well, it might be the polite thing to do. And David says, sure. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah. I'll buy each one of those guys a Cosmopolitan. And the bartender says, I don't know what you're going for, but I was thinking of beer. And he goes, nope blowjob shots for the ladies and a couple of cosmopolitans for each of the guys and he pulls out more money and puts it on the table it's like a hundred dollar bill and he goes you can keep the change on that and the bartender's like all right you got it and luke is like again mystified yeah looking at david and he's like are, are you like rich and david goes cash is easy to get that's so cool, man. That's such a cool line. And not going to lie, kind of like the bartender. I thought, you know, his, his you know, five five seconds of on-screen time and everything. I thought he does a great job. I enjoy him. I will. My only pushback is didn't look like an authentic bartender for that kind of bar. <laughs> he was kind of too young and cool looking. He, he should have been more grimy looking then. Yeah, my, my, my complaint always with movies that... Uh, have bars in the middle of nowhere like um you know captain marvel yeah and uh when it's like these guys are not authentic looking to a bar in that kind of area to me yeah to me he, he shouldn't have had all of his teeth yes but i agree <laughs> he i liked him too so the bartender goes and brings the coke and the fireball over to david and luke and he brings the shots and cosmos over to the guys in just a moment he goes, I no. the bartender says, I got your shots in Cosmos coming right up. Can you imagine? I just cannot even. This whole scene is like, damn, dude, you got some cojones. So David thanks him. And then David looks at his drink. It basically looks like Tabasco sauce. Just yeah, <laughs> full, like a whole cup of it, essentially. Yeah, it's just red and cloudy and shit. And David says, you want to try this to Luke? And Luke's like, sure. And like Luke kind of lifts it up hesitantly and sips it and then lets out a cough like you would if you're drinking (laughs) up eating a uh, ghost pepper you know and he's like it's like hot peppers you drink that and david goes yep like super just like he's no longer the david that we knew five minutes ago he's now like badass and and my takeaway is that something about the 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 Captain America program, you know, later when he, you know, takes a bullet to the leg or something like that, the fact that, like, it doesn't debilitate him, I think his nerves are kind of dulled a little bit, and I think it's probably something to do with the program. And so this, the fireball, he drinks it because it's probably the only thing he can literally taste. I guarantee you his nerve endings being lowered probably lowered his taste buds as well. And he likes this because it's the only thing that gives him any kind of a flavor to it. Interesting. That's a really good theory. I like that. I like that. Thank uh, you. Thank world you. building from Corey <laughs> is great. 
<laughs> so thing. yeah, David shoots the fireball, has like no effect on him, and Luke's like, "How did you do that?" And David goes, "You get used to it." Right at that same moment, that you overhear the bartender at the uh, at the at the football guy's table, and just kind of like yelling and laughing. The the women are laughing and and. Luke looks over at them and he goes, uh, they look kind of annoyed. And David goes, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly one of the dudes comes over, Mike or Ian or whoever, and says, Hey, thanks for the drinks. And David goes, you're welcome. And Ian, let's call him Ian. He goes, I don't want it though. You can have it. And he pours the drink on David's head, the cosmopolitan, (laughs) just like dribbles down his face but David's pretty much emotionless. The fireball shot, by the way, he didn't shoot the whole thing. There's still yeah. some fireball in there. Yeah, he sipped and on then it. Dave, yeah, and then David says, maybe you could try this instead. And he throws the fireball in Ian's face. Ian starts to scream like a little bitch and goes, my eyes. Ah! And I would scream too if that got thrown in my eyes, and I would probably scream the same way. <laughs> Suddenly, there's uh, Mike is also there at the table. They're like, kind of ganging up over david and ian now who who got blinded by the drink throws a punch at david but accidentally hits his buddy mike in the face (laughs) that's great that was great that he used that uh sort of against him and everything it's amazing it's amazing and so this starts one of the coolest like quick fight scenes i've seen in some time in a movie i mean it's, it's badass like you know, the, the girls all scramble to leave. <laughs> they immediately, um, the first kid gets they punched. Split. They literally scream and run. And we have like three more bodies are about to hit the floor. They didn't even wait. They nope. ran immediately. And I'm with and, you. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. This this quick fight that happens where he just dismantles them. He's breaking their arms. You know, he's doing, he's, he's breaking... He's stepping on ankles. Yeah, that's the one that's the the worst is is one guy, he kind of gets down to the ground. I think he might have smashed a bottle over his face or whatever, but he goes down, and then he fucking stomps the dude's ankle. And I'm like, oh, man, that guy's a football player. Like, he, he ruined his career. He ruined the trajectory for that kid's life. But yep. they're all lucky to be alive because the scene ends with, like, literally, like, four bodies groaning on the ground and, you know, uh, and just destroyed. Just Not dead. He doesn't kill them, and that should be noted. But he, he dismantles and decimates them. Yeah, and in, in, in the melee, Luke gets hit as well and kind of gets, like, knocked out for a moment, and he's on the ground. And, yeah, after everyone gets dismantled, and knock the shit. David goes to check on him and he gets him up and Luke's okay. And then so suddenly the bartender has a baseball bat in his hand or like a pull stick or something. Right. And, uh, he yells to the two old guys that are there. Now they're the appropriate, like looking people that would be at a bar at three in the afternoon. But I like how he tells him to leave, tells him to call the cops, and he tells him to tell them what happened. Like, be honest. Tell them what happened here. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah, he says, tell them what happened here. He said, say, a gang of high school kids came in here and demanded that you serve them drinks. You tried to ID them, but they threatened to cause trouble. There was a fight. You didn't really get a good look at the other guys. Maybe they were from out of town. And then he's looking at the bartender. He goes, otherwise... I imagine you in this place could get in trouble for serving minors. I mean, 
this is what happens here. And then he puts more money on the table and he goes for the damages. Yeah, he gives him like 400 bucks or something. And the bartender who's holding his, you know, pool stick, he starts to lower it like he's kind of disarmed at this point. And David and Luke exit out the bar. Just bodies moaning on the ground. (laughs) Yes. So cool. Cut to back at the Peterson's house. That's that's how I labeled every scene. Peterson house. Yeah, Peterson house. David and Luke are arriving back home. When they walk in, Laura sees them and Laura goes, Luke, what happened? Because he's got a he got hit in the face. And Luke goes, oh, I got into a fight with some guys at school. She's like, are you OK? He goes, yeah, I'm fine. Just some seniors picking on me. And she goes, why were they picking on you? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to my room. And then she, Laura looks over at David and she's like, is he all right? Because David has not a mark on him at no, all. No. And he goes, yes, ma'am. He's fine. She's like, did he get in trouble with the school? The police didn't because no man, no one saw. It's just the usual high school stuff. I told him I'd teach him some self-defense when he's feeling up to it. <laughs> and and then the Anna's there as well. And she's like, oh, I'm sure that's what he needs. And then Laura's like super just loves David at this point. She's like, of course, oh, I'm relieved you were there. That's a replacement dead son, of course. Right. And at this point, Anna's in the room with them and she's she get, she's looking annoyed and she's like I'm going to get ready to go to Kristen's and then they're in the living room by the way and Laura says Anna can I talk to you for a second <laughs> and they're like whispering and basically Laura wants Anna to invite David to the party with her <laughs> <laughs> her high school like well I guess not high school but yeah her little kid friends party type of thing yeah, so David's, like, in the living room by himself, and they're kind of, like, over by the kitchen. And Anna comes back out annoyed and, like, clears her throat and goes, David, would you like to come to the party with me? And David goes, sure. That sounds nice. She goes, great. We're going to leave around 7. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly after that. It's a, it's a time jump, but it's actually kind of a bad editing, like, it's kind of weird. You don't really can't really tell it's a time jump, but other until David comes out, you know, in his towel. Yeah, yeah. You're you're basically jumping ahead to them getting ready to go to this party. Yeah, I assume like forty five minutes, maybe an hour or something. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, Anna's about to go into the bathroom, and the door opens, and out comes David, only wearing like basically a towel. Look, look at great. <laughs> he comes out and the music is very like sexy and there's steam coming out of the bathroom and he's kind of like almost out of breath. And he's like, I'm sorry. I wanted to shave. And she's like, no, 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 I- I'm sorry. I, I thought uh. she's like stammering because she's like so just overwhelmed by his hotness. I, I think Anna and Micah Monroe both splooshed. Right when they saw Dan Stevens <laughs> I, slash David. I think because, I mean, the dude looks hot. I splooshed. <laughs> in, a, in a heterosexual way. <laughs> of course. Of course you did. And she's like panting. Yeah, she, she's thirsty. <laughs> yeah. And, and he goes, I'm going to go get dressed. And she's like, yeah, um, uh, you, you, you do that. <laughs> he leaves, goes to his room. She goes in the bathroom, closes the door, and she just like ex- exhales like this big sigh, like, ah. And it's so funny because for a movie that is about to get twisted pretty soon, in the next maybe 10 or 15 minutes, it's a, like a comedic moment 
because it's like a like a sexy '80s moment where, but the 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 the, the, the script is flipped because it's usually the horny teenage boy falling yeah. in love with the older hot woman. Exactly. Yeah. No. This this movie it plays with expectations it plays with tropes it spins them around and it does it expertly uh like this scene here yeah from there you cut to outside of Kristen's house which is anna's friend and you see a truck pull up it's it's anna's truck she's got this old school like kind of gmc truck yeah 70s truck yeah know? like a pickup or something yeah, yeah. pickup truck and it yeah. occurred to me here because there's a giant party going on i was like a, a smart so this is actually a good way uh you know if you set the movie in halloween then you don't have to have an excuse in the film to have a party it's just everyone just oh yeah it's a halloween party no problem and yeah. i think parties are great in movies i like seeing parties in movies and if you set it around halloween or christmas time you, you just don't need an excuse you don't need to make up one of the characters birthdays or something like that you just have a party and i'm like yeah, you know it, what that's smart it is smart it is smart yeah no one's dressed up in costumes by the way it's very much just like a hot party everyone's dressed up kind of hot yeah, there are a couple masks here and there. Well, yeah, notably true. you see the sheep mask uh, from your next on one of the people. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. I'll say this: it's no dead kids uh, slash strange behavior, aka strange behavior party. Uh, that's still the best Halloween party ever filmed, uh, with the best dance scene ever. Um, and I think it's coming out uh, soon on Blu-ray here in the U.S., which is fantastic. Yep. Um, but Zach and I have the, I think the Code Red version that came out a while back. Yeah, uh, we great got the movie. one. A good, very good version of it. And you can find that one on eBay, I think. Yeah, and Cheap Plug, we reviewed that, I think, way back in Season 1. So go check out our review of Dead Kids, a.k.a. Strange Behavior, another movie that takes place around Halloween. Um, but you're right. This I wanted to see more Halloween costumes, but I guess for a 20-something crowd, yeah, I'm guessing this is probably a bit more accurate. Yeah, because Kristen's kind of wearing a, a hot girl outfit right, when you, when you yeah. get introduced to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and but Anna's really not. She's like wearing a skull tank top. It's yeah. like very basic. She's not dressed up in a costume. She's just dressed up to go to a party. Yeah, she's kind Looking of just, very attractive though. Oh yes, yes. But yeah, she's wearing kind of like a a Spencer style outfit. You know. Yes. Very true. Very true. Um, <laughs> So as they're walking up, Anna's like, look, so this isn't that big of a deal, but I just want you to know my boyfriend, Zeke, he lives here too with, with Kristen. And David's like, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. And she goes, yeah, well, neither do my parents. And I wouldn't mind if you keep it that way. And David goes, I won't say anything. None of my business. Doorbell rings. Kristen answers the door. She's looking right at David with her fmis yeah know. yeah she immediately is like whoa she yep. splooshed too she sure did and anna introduces david to Kristen. david says how do you do and she's like oh fine thank you by the way everything that happens later totally tracks with people in their 20s yeah of course it everything. does yeah yeah very much so. and by the way I'll start out now. This house is very cool. Like the way it's decorated, the way it's lit uh, for this party. I really like the set design for this house. Yep. Me too. Me too. Uh, Kristen says, oh, Zeke's inside smoking. He's waiting for someone to help carry in the kegs. And David goes, oh, I'll bring him in. Suddenly you're inside now. And Anna's chilling with Zeke on a couch. 
and he's wanting her to get high. And she's like, you can't smoke tonight. And Zeke's like, why? What? Your house guest? And she's like, yeah, he's and she doesn't finish the thought because suddenly David walks in carrying the two kegs. He's got one over his shoulder and he's holding the other one with one hand. So the dude is like looking jacked up carrying two kegs and every it's almost like a record scratches where like let's you know be as crass as possible all the chicks are getting wet just looking at him like oh my god look at this hunky boy it's almost like it's the equivalent of fast times at ridgemont high when uh phoebe cates gets out of the out of the the pool yeah it's almost got that slow motion that boom 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 like there's the music's even kind of got that vibe to it and yeah you're right and i didn't pick up on it but this is the reversal if this was made in the 80s or something it would have been a young teen boy in a it's weird science you know what i mean and an older hot you know chick type of thing and they're just they're filming it the same way they're just doing it reversed with a younger female looking at an older guy the same way yeah yeah and and you can tell like anna was trying to be more of a prude because she's with david or brought david to the party and doesn't want to make a bad impression on david that's why she's not smoking weed just yet but suddenly david sits he he drops the kegs off uh and then walks over to where zeke and anna are sitting and there's another dude there craig who's zeke's buddy and he's got a big old fat blunt and he offers it to David and and David, he's like, you want some man? And uh, David's like, sure. And he takes the biggest fattest hit off this weed, (laughs) sucks it in like a fucking stud and just like lets out this big puff of smoke. Like, yeah, I do this all the time. Yeah, dude, that thing's like a fucking turkey leg, man. That thing is fucking huge. And he smokes it like a champ. And I and love walks, that. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It just shows like how kind of quote unquote cool he is. But that doesn't make you cool, ladies and gentlemen. Just saying. But he looks cool doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and he walks the blunt over. He wa- uh, walks the joint over to Anna and offers it to Anna. And then Anna takes it. And you can tell when she takes it, she's just like, like, like titillated by him. And by the way, you had it right the first time. That is a blunt, not a joint. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fat fatty. It's big fatty, fatty bombatty. And I don't even smoke, but I just know I know <laughs> you, what's up. You got a contact high just looking at it. Right. From there you cut to later on in the evening, uh Anna's chilling with Zeke and and he gives her a beer and he's like, "You okay?" She's like, "I'm fine." Like she seems annoyed as I mean, I don't mean to stereotype at all, but I've been down that row where like you're you're with the girlfriend and suddenly she, they're annoyed about something. Yeah. And it can happen too, I'm sure, with the boyfriend too. But I'm just saying from personal experience, you're like, what the what's going on? Why why are you annoyed? But she's just kind of annoyed, and he's like, you want to? And she goes, yeah, let's go. Like they're gonna go fuck basically. Yeah. Right? And suddenly, this is all going down, and David's like watching Anna and Zeke go off into a room together like menacing looking he's looking at them they're like in the kitchen now at this point right and david's talking to Kristen, and these dudes walk in it's kind of frat boy looking guys and david says to Kristen, he's like who are those guys and she's like oh that's my ex the one i was telling you about because like maybe 30 seconds prior 
you see Kristen kind of like telling David about her ex-boyfriend. Right. And her ex-boyfriend, uh, the character's name is Drew. He's played by Jesse Lucan. Um, and, and as you were just talking, I was trying to quickly scroll through IMDb to find out who where I've seen him before. Uh, because right when I saw him, I was like, I know that fucking guy. And he has like, you know, like almost 60, you know, credits on IMDb, but it's like a lot of TV stuff. And I'm like, nope, it's not that, not that. And I was like, oh, I saw him on Justify. He was uh, he played a character uh, and he was great on that show. And if you've never seen Justified, probably one of the best uh, TV crime dramas uh, uh, I've ever seen. Cool. Yeah, I got to check that out. There's a few shows I have to watch for one second. I thought he was the guy who plays young sensei John Kreese on Cobra Kai because oh, they yeah. both have that kind of that giant forehead that I call a five head and uh, <laughs> kind of like that big hair, you know, yeah. but no, it's, it's not, it's not young John Kreese. Uh, Jesse, not, not young, his name. young Johnny Kreese, <laughs> sensei John Kreese. No, but this guy's still a dick anyways. Cause he walks in talking to Kristen and he's like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And she goes, I'm busy right now. Drew. He's like, look, well, I've been calling you a week. What the fuck? You're having a party? She's like, I'm talking to my friend and you're being rude. And he goes, listen, just come here. And he goes to grab her. And then when he does, David steps in and like grabs the guy, grabs Drew's arm. And Drew goes, motherfucker. <laughs> and then from there, he goes to start a fight with David. And David slams his face into the wall, which has a picture of Kristen in her cheerleader outfit on it. Slams his face into that picture, shattering the glass, knocking the fucker out cold. Hits the ground. Yeah, and dude, that is such a metaphor for the fact that he's going to shatter Kristen's life. Uh, um, you know, David is going to shatter her entire life. Uh, you know, he's going to shatter her, all her friends. He's going to shatter her vagina soon. And then he's literally going to shatter her life by the end of this movie. And so when I was watching this, I was like, that's... Such a great, like, visual metaphor for what's to come, especially since they did a close-up shot of, of it, you know, of, of her picture with the glass shattered. I was like, there's a reason that they're giving you a close-up shot of that, and I think it's because it's foretelling what he, David, is going to do to her. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Drew hits the ground like a, like an idiot. Hits and, the ground uh, hard. It hits the ground hard, and David looks at the Drew's friends and says, get him out of here. And then Kristen's got a big old smile on her face. and uh, Kristen went double sploosh. She sure did. And then David picks up the photo or a photograph, and he's like, I'm sorry about your photograph. I'll buy you a new frame. And she goes, no, don't worry about it. Would you like to see the rest of the house? And he goes, sure. Hint, hint, wink, hint, wink. Cut to Kristen. And David going at it in Kristen's bedroom. She's taking her clothes off. Looking mighty fine. <laughs> this is the most animated you've ever been about somebody uh, that we, we've had on the show. Oh, she's, you know. Well, I, I, I'm just like, okay. I, I'm really, I'm piecing things together about what Zach <laughs> likes. Okay. <laughs> and and I notice as she's making out with him, she's, you know, going for his, 
his wand. Of course. And and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, why? And she's like, seems like you're not really into this. Wink, wink. You know what she means by that? Because he's probably not hard. <clears throat> yeah. And well, he's also laying there just kind of like a bump on, on the log. Type like a thing. dead fish. Yeah, yeah. essentially. And, yeah. And then suddenly he goes, no, I am. And he like throws her over. He like tosses her on her back. He like literally sort of springs to life. And yep. I'm almost wondering if like, that was sort of the fake, like real him is just laying there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think he was like, I think it was sort of like a minor thing where he's like, oh, I need to act normal. You know what I mean? Right now. And so yeah. he kind of springs to life and sort of takes charge and it becomes this passionate thing and it's not weird or whatever. But I think that that was like more of a fake thing. I think the real him was laying there. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And then the Viagra kicked in. And there, he, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And he bangs the hell out of her. The hell out of her. Cut to later that night. They're all sitting around uh, at Kristen and David and Craig. Good old Craig. Are, are sitting around. Well, d- d- Craig's playing poker and with some dudes. And, and David's there and Kristen's there coming out of the bedroom. And they sit down next to Craig uh, that's when you see the dude wearing the your next mask, and I'm like, oh, yeah. but it's also Bray Wyatt's uh, guys from the WWE, the you know one of his posse, I, his group, l- like Captain awesome. America. I understood that reference. Yeah, I know. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. And so Craig's like, you know, uh, you want to play? You playing poker? And David's like, no, I'm good. And then Craig says, hey man, I want to say to you that you know. I totally support what you guys are doing over there. You need anything, you let me know. And David's like, support us how? Like, really serious. David's yeah. looking really intense. And he yeah. goes, and Craig goes, I mean, like, I believe in what you guys are doing. You know, like, go America. And David goes, but you wouldn't support us by, like, enlisting. And then Craig's looking at him like, are you serious? <laughs> and Craig's like, no, nah, I, I mean, like, I got asthma, you know, and makes me kind of makes it kind of hard to. And then David goes, "Hard to what?" <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm just fucking with you, man." <laughs> that was that was uncomfortable, dude. That was hella super uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. And Craig's like, "Oh no, no, cool, cool, cool. I I knew that." <laughs> and you can tell Craig's uh, the cool kid there, and it, and it, he's a little bit all you know thrown off because now. David is clearly the coolest guy in the room, and now Craig's not as cool, you know? Yeah, he, yeah, David is the coolest guy in the room. Kristen gets up to go do something, and she says, you know, I'll be right back. And then Craig's like, hey, she's fun, huh? Nice piece of ass. And then David's like, so can you get me a gun? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, leans into him. And Craig's like, I mean, yeah, sure, I, I can get you a gun. Uh, hell yeah, what do you need a gun for? And David goes, I'm a soldier, man. I like guns. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, uh, sure, sure. He goes, I know a guy. You got cash? And David goes, I do. <laughs> Craig goes, fuck it. Give me your number. And David pulls the phone out and he goes, I'm using a burner right now. The number's on the back. Craig's like punching the number in his phone. He's like, soldiers like guns. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly Anna appears from a bedroom, probably Zeke's bedroom with Zeke. Yeah. And they're yeah. arguing. He's like, well, what's the big deal if I go on tour? It's only like three weeks. What's the big, you know, what's the, what's, what the fuck? And then da- Anna wants to just immediately leave. And she goes to Dave and she's like, are you ready to go? And David's like, sure. And there's some cool music playing in here too. Yeah. I didn't track the, the artists, but uh, I mean, the, this, 
besides the synth score that goes on through this movie, there's a great soundtrack like of actual songs. I'm going to throw out a few. I actually uh, shazammed them and whatnot while we were while the movie was playing and whatnot. So I'll have a, have a few of them called out for sure. Cool. Suddenly, David is outside with Anna. And David says to Anna, he goes, I'll drive right after Anna gets her keys out. And she goes, no, I'm fine. He goes, he goes, I'll drive. You're stoned. And she goes, wait, how are you more sober than me? He's like, because I'm bigger than you. And it's kind of a <laughs> playful thing. It is. He's like flirting with her. Yes. There's this, there's, I'll, I'll talk about it when it becomes more apparent, but there, there's something going on here. Uh, love story wise. I, I think it's one sided, but there's something going on. Oh, totally. Totally. Cut to them in the truck driving down the road. And he says to her, like, very calmly, he's like, please put your seatbelt on. And she rolls her eyes. And then David says, you want to talk about it? And she's like, no, it's nothing. We had an argument. It's old stuff. You know, and she's, like, rambling. I love that he was in a band. But now that I'm saving up for college and he's and he's just isn't moving on, you know, like he doesn't even have a job. Uh, his David job goes, is the band, bitch. Yeah, An artist, exactly. You can be a full-time artist. It's okay. That was a little triggering for me, by the way. <laughs> Clearly. You jumped on it. You're like, look, look here. <laughs> Listen here, boy. <laughs> brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> and, but, but, but David says, well, he is a drug dealer. Mm. And she's like, he's not a drug dealer. I mean, he sells drugs sometimes, like to friends, to make extra cash. And then David goes, well, if he's messing things up with you, then he's a fool and you don't need to worry about it. And then she's like kind of looking at him funny and he goes, I'm serious. I mean, hell, if I had a girl like you back home, you better believe I wouldn't have gone over to the Middle East to get shot at. And the way he says that, I think that was another true statement. And I think that for the rest of the movie, it becomes a weird one-sided love move, like a, a love story. Um, it, I think it's more on David's side, um, but I'll, I'll cite some more examples of it later as to why I think it's a little bit deeper than surface level than what we see on the surface. And uh, yeah, so, but in real quick, cause I know you're going to, the song is actually going to come into play cause he's going to say he likes it. And I did track this song cause it was actually my favorite song in the movie. Um, it is uh, titled masquerade by the band clan of Zymox and it's spelled X Y M O X. So, uh, if you want to check out masquerade by clan of Zymox, it's on Spotify. Yeah, that's cool. It's a really cool song. And even David's like, I like this music. Mm-hmm. He's like, you do. It's just a mix I made. I can make you a CD if you like. And he's like, can you put this song on it? And she's like, well, yeah. But she smiles to herself. And it's a really, like, genuine moment. Like, oh, my God, this guy is so hot. And, like, he likes my music, too. This Is, is this a dream come true for me? You know? Because she's starting to kind of break kind of break down that shell she or the wall she has up for right. David. Right. Because the characters, like... The mom, the dad, they all kind of stay the same throughout the course of the film and everything. But Anna and and him, they have this up and down relationship. Like their relationship is the core of the film. If this yeah. was a romance movie, it it's their it's their romance. But this isn't. This is a weird mashup of action, horror, sci-fi, and thriller. And it 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 gets morphed and, and weirdified. But 
At the same time, it's the most interesting dynamic in the film is Anna and and David because it's the only one that kind of really changes and grows and morphs and and alters and stuff. It's a it's a windy road that is their relationship. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Cut to them getting home and they're going to their separate rooms in the house. Anna saying goodnight to David. David saying goodnight back. And it's like super serious tension right there in that moment because she's super into him and he's, you know, you can't tell if he's into her. Well, he is into her, but you can't tell like he's not normal after we already know what he did, what he's been crushing like bad guys, quote unquote. But there's definitely something off about him. And but they each go into their own rooms. Cut to. Anna in her room making a CD for David, writing for David on it. She's laying down, listening to music. She's leaning back, like on her bed, giggling and smiling, probably thinking about David, and how much she likes David, and how cute David is. Oh my God, and if you're going to have like babies and stuff, it's going to be so hot. So suddenly the camera kind of like tracks over to, to David's room, and you just see David sitting there glaring with a big close up. Yeah, and this scene, he's no, not blinking at all. This is one of my favorite shots in the movie because uh, the camera's like outside the window. And during the whole time, uh, Haunted When the Minutes Drag by Love and Rockets is playing uh, the, the during the scene. And I love it when the camera pans over is when the chorus crescendo kind of r- starts rising and it, the, the Love and Rockets is singing like Haunted by Your Soul. And it's like the camera's zooming in on him. Him. it's fantastic but then i love the fact that like it, it kicks into the second verse which is a they're a repeat haunted by your soul again but this time it goes it's like haunted by your soul and then it goes boom and does that weird transitional music to make you that that note that that tone uh, uh that kind of makes you so startled and it's the next day and i yeah. just i love that transition i love the fact that it doesn't allow the song to even finish the line haunted by your soul because everything we are we shouldn't be used to david like this movie is telling us the music is telling us don't get used to him because what you're seeing is not really there it, the movie constantly reminds us how weird and different david is yeah yeah and it almost in a way reminds me a little bit of session nine when they would cut to the next day and you're just yes. like whoa shit and this, it was just like they're not okay and it was just like an abrupt it'll be an abrupt cut with some kind of musical chord happening at the same time yeah yeah and this cuts to the next day the next morning and you see anna emerging from her bedroom with uh basically wearing the same thing she wore the night before the same top anyways and she's got her cd in her hand for david She's as she's walking to the kitchen, she looks outside the kitchen window and she sees David kind of pacing back and forth on his cell phone and he's on the phone. You overhear his conversation. He's like, I want to proceed as planned. No one will be able to recognize me. That's important. And then he's listening to someone talking and goes, what do you mean dental records? I'm off the grid now, but people are trying to look for me. I understand it'll take some time, but this is urgent. I just need a new face. I'll keep this phone in case you need to reach me or anything comes up. It says copy, right? So it's interesting. And then, yeah, he turns around while he's in mid-conversation and she like ducks back away from the window so he can't see her. And then suddenly after uh, David hangs up, he looks 
into the into the window like he knows some he feels like someone's watching him yeah but like he got after a that sense of it or something yeah and then anna splits right uh she's back in her room sitting on her bed with her laptop in front of her pulling up a military like web page and she's talking to someone on her phone and she goes yeah his name is david anderson collins i think i can tell you what unit he served in if that helps she goes, no, no, nothing's wrong. He has friends. He was friends with my brother, and we just heard he's back. So any contact information you could give me would be helpful. And she gives her cell phone number. Or she says, yeah, that's my cell phone. Hangs up. Immediately cut to the interior of a military base, right? Uh, Fort Kenilworth. And the person that she's on the phone with says, okay, ma'am, I'll call you when we have any information. And that person is played by Candace Patton, who plays Iris West on CW's The Flash for, like, the past 15 years. So, like, she, I think almost right after this, she's going to land the Flash gig and going to be a regular on that show until the day it it ends, essentially. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I yeah. didn't realize that show was on the air for so long. I think I think it's still on now. I think this is the last season. I haven't seen it in, I don't know, probably about eight years or something. It was just keeping up with all those CW shows became way too much to handle. Wow. I remember when the CW was, wasn't it the WB? The, yeah, it was the WB. and then, Dawson's yeah. Creek. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't want to wait. Oh, my God. He used to trip over that show. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so the woman uh, is typing something in on her terminal, and you get a shot of her screen, and it shows the records for a David Anderson Collins with uh, like all his details, and it's not the photo of our David that we know. And there's a big banner that goes across saying, Red Alert, that reads, uh, Record Classified, Contact KPG Corp. immediately. She reaches for the phone, calls who we now find out to be Austin, who I mentioned in, in the opening when we were talking about cast members. He's on like a Bluetooth or he's on like a Bluetooth device. And he says, we'll tell Fort Kenilworth that David Collins is dead. Just give them the official version. We'll take it from there. And he's like, uh, walking down this hallway. Suddenly you cut to two guards standing at a door with like really heavy machine guns. And there's a meeting going on in the room, a bunch of people sitting around a table and you're introduced to Major Carver, and there's a guy speaking, and he goes, you know, I'm meeting with the rest of our board next week to discuss the future of our work with the military in light of Project Aegolius. Aegolius. Yeah, so I just looked it up real quick, and the Aegolius is a uh, type of owl. Um, So I don't know what that sort of has to do with it but i i take it that that's the same uh project that david and and you know caleb were a part of but i don't know why like what a has to do with uh you know the, what, what they were doing but it's a type of owl yeah interesting well yeah because this guy who's speaking is saying uh you know in light of the military dissolving this program right and he says, Richard has some information on that. Richard, and who is Major Carver, and Richard starts, Major Carver starts to talk. He goes, well, I can't get into too many details, nor would you want me to. However, I can say, and then suddenly, cut to Austin interrupting, 
saying to Carver, sorry to interrupt, but something's come up. And that's weird. There was an owl outside hooting. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I heard it, too. I'm definitely yeah. going to keep that in. I'm definitely cool. going to keep it in. That's cool. Suddenly, Carver says, you'll have to excuse me to the group and gets up and walks out. And you get the idea that KPG or whatever is some kind of Blackwater-esque, uh, you know, private mercenary corporation, PMC, what, private military corporation, PMC. Totally, totally. As they're walking out the hallway, Austin is catching up Carver with what has transpired. And Carver's like, when did Fort Kenilworth re- receive this call? And Austin says, about an hour ago. He goes, have you ID the caller? And Austin says, not confirmed, but she gave her name as a Anna Peterson. He goes, Peterson, as in Caleb Peterson. And Austin says, yeah, she's her. She's his sister. Austin says, uh, you know, home address is in here. And he gives him he gives Carver a folder. Carver says, get me on the next flight. If we need to charter something, do it. And I'm going to need some shooters. Austin says, if anyone asks what's happening, what do I tell him? He goes, make something up. No one outside of this circle can know that any of our subjects are still active. Understood? If KPG gets any blowback on this, you and I will both be hung out to dry. You got it? So they're the masterminds behind creating David, basically. Yeah, I, I think so. apparently Caleb, too. Yeah, I think I think Caleb and, and David are the exact same thing. I think, I think whatever we're seeing David do, I think Caleb would have done as well or did do before. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I don't think everyone at the KPG, you know, knows about it or, you know, what's going on. But it's they these two are definitely the ones behind this program. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. From here, we cut to like a rock quarry the yeah. next day or it's daytime. And Craig is standing with who we find out is Higgins and played by Ethan Embry. Yep. Sitting uh, kind of standing by a truck. And David walks up and he's looking at his watch and he's like, you know, I hope I'm not late. Higgins goes, no, you're on time. And David goes, great. And Dave, Higgins goes, before we start anything, I'd like to see that what you, I'd like to see that you've got some cash on you, if you don't mind. Suddenly David pulls out of his back pocket a huge wad of $100 bills. And he goes, should this do? And Higgins goes, it'll do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like his eyes are popping out of his head. And, uh, and then Higgins says, Craig here didn't seem to know exactly what you needed, so I brought a few options. And he starts showing him the guns he's all he's got. He's a, you got a Beretta? Di- if, if you've seen one, you've seen them all? Got a Beretta? Yeah, exactly. And he goes, but this baby, he goes, this is a 9mm Witness Elite. Similar weapon, but I prefer the recoil action. Almost no kick. And suddenly David pulls, takes the gun from him takes the gun apart within like 10 seconds and is inspecting less than 10 seconds and is expect inspecting the chamber. He's looking at it up and down and Higgins eyes kind of get bit big and goes, you army. And David goes, yes, sir. And Higgins goes, well, Navy myself. (laughs) And then David goes, it's fine. (laughs) And so Higgins goes, so you'll take the elite. He goes, no, I'll, I'll take all of them. Higgins goes, all of the handguns. He goes, no, everything all of your guns. And Higgins goes, did you bring money for all that? He goes, if you do it, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. And he goes, and David goes, nope, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and Craig love- goes, what the fuck, David? What the fuck, David? Come on, man. <laughs> and Higgins is like, well, no, hold on a second. Don't get funny with me. 
And he goes, if you think God and David, as soon as that happens. Well, because Higgins pulls the gun from behind him. Yeah, Higgins pulls a gun out from behind him. David grabs the gun out of his hand as soon as he pulls it out, basically, like disarms him and then snatches it and then super fast blasts Higgins right in the face, killing him dead. Doesn't even hesitate. And it's I like how Higgins like, well, wait, wait, wait. And then bam, just dead. You know what I mean? Before there's even any more hesitation. And then he, he aims the gun at Craig and is about to just pop his brains. But click only one bullet in there. Well, so, so he opens up the chamber of the gun and there is another bullet in there, but it's not, it wasn't the next bullet in the chamber. Like there was one other bullet, but it wasn't like, you know, like Russian roulette kind of thing. Right. So, at that point, Craig makes a run for it out of the quarry. And this is also something that bugs me. He just runs straight away. He doesn't try to juke, doesn't try to like go in a different <laughs> the direction. Serpentine, serpentine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't go serpentine. He just runs straight away. David. Gr- David he, grabs. Did you notice that the, the, the bullets that he grabs is labeled long shot on it? And I don't think that that yes. exists i don't think that's a real thing but i like that they put it in there because he's about to make like a a 200 yard shot you know yes he does yeah he loads up the gun aims at craig pulls the trigger suddenly you see a pop in the background of brain matter coming out of craig's head and he's dead oh man that was a great shot too it's a great moment it's so like lightning fast quick and you're just like what the hell is going on right now yeah David starts kind of clearing out all the guns. He's got semi-automatic rifles in there. He's literally got everything that you look at now, and you're like, why do we need all this shit? Of course. And and there's two grenades, too, and David gets very excited about the two grenades. Two grenades, like two pair of testicles laying right there. <laughs> That's right, baby. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer, Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic to David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all. The good, the bad, and the bloody. Return, Revenge, Resurrection. A podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone! And now, back to the show. From there, you cut to Anna's house. Sorry, the Peterson's house. In Anna's bedroom. She's listening to music. Suddenly, she answers the phone. She, like, sits up and goes, what? Cut to Laura in the kitchen. Anna comes out and says, Mom, can I talk to you? And Laura's like, sure, sweetie. What's going on? Like, kind of out of it. 
And Anna says, I just called the Army base David said he was discharged from, Fort Kenilworth, to ask about him. And Laura's like, what, wait, wait, what? why would you do that? And then suddenly Spencer comes in and interrupts them. And he throws his bag down like on the table and he immediately goes to get a drink. Yeah. And he announces it too. That's why I took it like, he's like, I'm, I'm pouring myself a drink. I'm, this is what I'm doing. Which is like, you never see him and his wife fight about the drinks, but I took it as they fought before about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, what's going on to her husband? And he goes, they just found Alan, my boss. He's been missing from work the last couple of days. People are getting worried. So one of his friends broke into his home. They found him and his girlfriend dead. They'd both taken pills. I guess they had some prescription. It was like a like suicide pack or something. And Laura's like, oh, my God. It doesn't make any sense. He, and Spencer goes, yeah, he's, he's totally normal. The police are investigating. There was nothing in their wall safe, but it wasn't broken into. Money. Yep. But she did have some bruises. I guess we'll have to see what the police say. And Laura's like, well, maybe one of them was like dying of cancer. And, and Spencer's like, I guess we'll find out. And he's finishing his drink. He goes, the damn thing is, <laughs> this means I'm regional manager. Yeah. As soon as corporate heard, I got a call. They're offering me the same salary as Alan to start right away. And Laura's like, oh, that's like she wants to say that she wants to congratulate him. Yeah. But he's talking about his boss just died, right? Yeah, and so, he's like, and he says, "Yeah, careful what you wish for," you know, because she's about to say it, and uh, yeah, right? that's that's. I was like, "Ah, oh, that is so, man, so true." Uh, especially recently for me, uh, because I can't remember what you and I were talking. About. I think maybe it was my best fiend or something, and yeah. I was editing the episode. And I know I said on it, and actually, maybe it was uh, the actually the Richard Stanley one. It was the Lost Soul, uh, Doom Journey of Island of Dr. Moreau, Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. I was editing it after my father had passed, and I had heard on that episode that I had said, oh, well, you know, like, you know, here's an example of magic and what not to do. You know, if you wish yourself to have a shit ton of money, then all of a sudden your dad's going to die. I said that on the fucking episode before my dad passed. And I edited it after it, and I was like, wow, like, yeah, that's that's how shit works. And then here, watching this, and, you know, Spencer's like, yeah, careful what you wish for. And I'm just like, yep, careful what you fucking wish for, people. Seriously. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. So, yeah, that was, uh, for me, that was kind of powerful. <laughs> wow, dude, that is, that is some powerful shit. Well... Maybe you need a drink because uh, David <laughs> walks in at this point and and Spencer offers him a drink. He's like, David, I'm having a drink. Would you care to join me? And David's like, sure, sure. I'll, I'll be right back. Well, let me put my giant duffel bag of guns away that no yes. one seems to question whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so Anna's in there. She didn't get a chance to finish what she was saying to her mom uh, because David's now in the room. And then her phone rings, and she quickly exits the room as well. So David goes to his bedroom. Anna goes to her bedroom. It's Zeke calling Anna. And suddenly you cut to Zeke, and he's in his van driving down a road. And he's like, hey, hey, so um, so look, it's Craig. They, they found him out on the, the quarry. He's dead. Someone shot him. And Anna's like, what? what? Do they know who did it? And he's like, I don't know all the details. Can, can you come meet me later? And she's like, yeah, of course. I have something else I need to talk to you about too. And he goes, well, what is it? 
And suddenly you see lights, police lights behind him flashing. And he's like, ah, oh, shit, I got to go. I'll call you back and hangs up on her. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. And well, you will, but it'll yeah. just different. Different won't be venue. Later. <laughs> yep. Cut to the diner that uh, Anna works at. Kristen's working there. Uh, she comes in and Kristen says to Anna, she's like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I just heard about it from Zeke. How are you doing to Kristen? Kristen's like, I'm fine. I, I just don't get it. Who would want to hurt Craig? He was friends with everyone. <laughs> everyone except David. Of course. And and hey, it's nice to see where Kristen works and will later die. Yes, we will see that later. So they continue to talk. From there, cut back to the Peterson's house. David and Luke are outside carving pumpkins. And David's like, so how does this work? He's looking at a pumpkin, and Luke's like, he's never seen a pumpkin he's, before. He's, he's never carved a pumpkin before. Nope. And Luke's like, well, first you make a hole at the top so that you can reach in and scoop all the guts out. And David starts to, like, jam the knife in the pumpkin, and it's it's really stiff like most knives are when yeah. you cut it carving a pumpkin. Uh, and, and David goes, your parents' knives suck. And Luke's like, yeah. And suddenly David whips out a butterfly knife, and he's flipping it around like he's you know, martial arts superstar and he jams the knife in the pumpkin and cuts a hole in the pumpkin within like three seconds. He's like, that's better. <laughs> and Luke's like shocked. And he goes, do you carry that on you? Like, like all the time. And da and David goes, uh, this thing. Oh yeah, sure. And Luke's like, why and David shrugs? And he goes, ah, just in case. <laughs> Got, gotta have a butterfly knife, baby. Big smile on his face too. David does cut back to Anna at the diner with Kristen and she's telling Anna's telling Kristen that, you know, I called the army base. David said he was from, they told me David's David Collins died a week ago. He was in a military hospital in Idaho. There was a fire from some oxygen tanks. About 20 people died. David Collins was one of them. And Kristen's like, well, does David have any ID like, or credit cards? She's like, I've never seen him use a wallet. Anna says that I've never seen him use a wallet. And Kristen says, what about his phone? He has a burner, right? Why don't you check some of the numbers he's called? Your brother knows computers. Have him look them up. And Anna's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks. That is a good suddenly, idea, actually. <laughs> it is a good idea. And she's smart, you know? Suddenly, the like the chef comes out and tells, you know, Kristen basically to get, get back to work. And Anna's like, well, you know, we'll talk when you get off, off your shift. And Anna leaves. Cut back to the Peterson house. And David and Luke... They come in from outside with their pumpkins. They put them down in the kitchen. Did you notice that David, who's never carved a jack-o'-lantern before, his looks fantastic. <laughs> Luke's looks very boring and plain, like kind of triangle eyes and everything. Yeah. And I think this is another thing that's on purpose. I think this is a clue to show you that no matter what David does, He's the best at it. Like he's the best. because in because this is the Captain America, the training and everything. He's just naturally fantastic at everything, but especially killing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David says, You want some advice, Luke? And Luke goes, Sure. He goes, Never let anyone pick on you. Otherwise you'll carry it with you forever. Those guys at school, they're bigger than you. And Luke goes, Yeah. He goes, Then you bring a knife to school. They take it away from you and beat you up. You go to their houses at night and you burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do? And Luke's <laughs> like, yeah, 
Oh, okay. I, I love how all of his examples are like hyper, just extreme. You know, it's, just it's the highest you could possibly go. It's wonderful because you're like, wait, this dude is fucking crazy. Yeah, and and Luke is kind of all in on it because he David gives Luke his butterfly knife, and mm-hmm. Luke's like, "You're giving this to me," and he goes, "Yeah, man, it's yours. I got others." And of course, that butterfly knife will wind up back. In David, somehow. Yeah, David will get it back. Yeah, he'll get it back. It won't be in his hand, though. It'll be in something else. Suddenly, Anna comes in, and and he says, Hey, you care to join us? Into the kitchen. And Anna's like, Uh, no, probably not. Uh, is Mom and Dad around? And David's like, They went to the store. Your mom's going to make pumpkin pie. And Anna's like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then suddenly, Anna grabs David's cell phone when he's not looking from his jacket. She quickly slips away, going into her bedroom. Moments later, you're in Anna's room, and she's taking pictures of all of... She's snapping pictures with her phone of David's... uh, Of all the numbers on David's phone. Suddenly, David's phone rings. (laughs) Oh, it's creepy. And she freaks out. It's a very loud vibration. She says, shit. David's walking at down the hallway just at the around the same time. He's walking towards the hallway. Anna quickly throws it in David's room and runs out. David goes to his room and sees his phone on his bed. And the ringing stops. And he knows that that he didn't leave it there. He knows something suspicious. Yeah, he's not an idiot. And he walks by Anna's room slowly back into the kitchen. And also, too, he kind of has this look on his face, like like pissed, but not super pissed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anna's in her bedroom. Her cell phone rings. She freaks out. She answers it. It's Zeke. But now Zeke is in jail, and he's calling her from a uh, the pay phone, like the, the You're call making people. making that call. Making that call from the hallway in the jail. Yeah, right? with the, the parole person behind him and or the corrections officer standing next to him. And, and yeah, you know, this is... Chase Williamson is is is, is he he is the the sort of comic relief in this, and uh, he's got a couple moments here that that are funny. I think. Oh, this is funny. Yeah, yeah. So like he's basically telling her why he's in jail. She's like, they found the and and it's her perspective saying it back. She's like, they found the gun that killed Craig in your van. Cut back to Zeke in the jail, and he's like, yeah, it was wiped clean. They got an anonymous tip or something. All they say to me is it's it's anonymous. And she's like, you're innocent. And he's like, I know. But they searched my room and they found some other stuff. You know, so looks like I'm going to be here for a bit of time. <laughs> he <laughs> handles guards, it quite well. He does. He's kind of like, oh, fuck, you're right. I, like, almost like he knew this was coming, but not in the murder part. Yeah, like one day I knew I was going to land here. Right. It's really funny, actually, because he, he's kind of like emotionless about it. He's like, well, it is what it is. <laughs> yep. He's like, I got to go, babe. I love you. <laughs> Hang, and hangs up. Moments later, Anna is walking to the dining room. Everyone's having dinner. Uh, the dad looks over at Anna and he's like, honey, are you okay? And she like looks super upset. And she goes, my friend Craig was killed today. He was murdered. And Laura's like, oh my gosh, where? And Anna says, he was, he was shot. And then they arrested Zeke for it. They found the gun in his van, but he didn't do it. They were good friends. And Laura's like, Zeke? And then the dad, Spencer, goes, I'm sorry, honey, but if they arrested your ex-boyfriend, it could be for a good reason. 
Zeke Hastings was never exactly a pillar of the community. And Anna gets like really pissed. And she's like, he's not my ex-boyfriend, dad. He's my boyfriend. I never stopped seeing him. I'm 20 years old. I can date who I want. And Spencer's like, as long as you're in this house, the dad, you know, yeah. as long as you're in this house. And she's like, you know nothing about him. You don't know him at all. And the dad goes, I know he's a druggie burnout who started dating my daughter when she was 17. Yeah, that, there like, you go. That's that's that was the point that you were making earlier is that yeah. he was probably older because if he would if if he if Zeke was 17 when he dated her, he wouldn't have brought that up. So I'm guessing he was probably 21 when he was dating her at 17. Now, I, I, I got to say, though, he does at some point throw out. I have it on very good authority, uh, you know, yes. it's something. And I was like, you know what? Anytime someone says I have it on very good authority, it means they fucking read it on Facebook. So fuck off. Yeah. Now, nowadays, that's what it means for sure. Oh, shit. 2014 wasn't wasn't uh, that different. I think we had Facebook oh. back then, too. No, because Trump was elected in 2014. Yep. There you go. Yeah. There, yep, you so go. there you go. There you go. <laughs> so so Anna's like, okay, yeah, okay, well, what about him? And looks over at David. She's like, everyone's best friend. I called the military base he said he was from, and they said he was dead. And then David who – so there David's uh, – David and, and, and uh, Laura, the mom, are in the kitchen like cutting up stuff. And Laura – at this point now, Laura's like in the living room with Anna and the dad, right? And – Luke, but David's still in the kitchen cutting like celery yeah. right, with the knife. With the, he has this big ass knife. Yeah, he's got this big ass knife, and suddenly he like slows down right after she says that, and he goes, "That's military intelligence for you." And then Anna says, "Yeah, see, ask him, ask him to show his ID. He's not David Collins. We know who he is." And then David like still has the knife in his hand. Which is very threatening. Yes. Right? Yeah. And he goes, I was part of a special forces unit when I was injured. So they should be providing a cover to any civilians who ask about me. That's a good thing. But I did get my dog tags back. They're right here. And he pulls his dog tags out of his pocket. He says, I don't like to wear them because I, I don't know. I just like having them with me, though. As for my ID, I, I don't have a current license, but I got my documents in my bag. And should I go and then... Spencer, the dad, interrupts. He goes, that won't be necessary. Anna, I think you owe David an apology. By the way, none of this stuff has a picture of David on it. So it's just the the name, you know? Yeah, of course. And of Anna's course. like, no fucking way. Yeah. And he's like, you watch your mouth, young lady. That's what the <laughs> dad says. And the dad continues to Anna and says, I'm very sorry about your friend Craig. But as for Zeke Hastings and his crew, this is when he says, I have it on good authority that they're a bunch of pot dealers. You know why they arrested Zeke for the murder? Because he probably did it, Anna. And she screams at him. She's like, fuck you. She's have some compassion, man. Right? And, and I got to say, my, my note here is uh, for David, quick goat thinking on coming up with the uh, special forces thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 quick on the fly. I know. And uh, and yes, my quick goat thinking is a reference to the Adam Sandler uh, CD with uh, the goat on it. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> fucking, that was like fucking like, what was that, 95? 90, yeah, I think like 94, 95, somewhere around there. Yep, yep. Is that the one where he's got the little uh, drug drug moments where the guy's like, I'm so stoned right now, man. And the then like, you gave me, he's like, that's grass, man. Yeah, the world's longest pee. They're all going to laugh at you, all that shit. That's a great CD. That that's is. 
It's so funny when Anna says fuck you because the mom's like, hey, now, Laura, hey, now, Anna, yeah. like offended. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, this guy, this guy just died and her boyfriend's in jail. But Luke does gasp, which is great. Luke <laughs> gasps. She's never yeah. heard, you know, he's never heard Anna say fuck you to the dad before. Right. And then, like, Spencer, the dad, is apologizing to David. And David's like, it's okay. She's upset. I probably should have explained the special forces thing earlier, but we're no, we're not really supposed to talk about it. <laughs> he yeah. puts the knife down, and like it's everything's fine now, right? He didn't have to kill anybody yet. Yet. And, and then Spencer goes, he goes, I could use a drink. He's like, how how about you, David? And David's like, oh yes, please. Like it's almost like he, like a sigh of relief, but in a like a, like he's putting it on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fake. It's he's telling Spencer what he wants to hear, essentially. Yep. Anna's in her bedroom crying. She's playing music. She turns on her phone, brings up the picture she took of uh, David's cell phone screen. She's, uh, you know, punching the numbers like on a uh, on her computer. And then there's a knock at the door and it's David at the door. She cl- she closes up her her phone and computer and everything. And David walks in, closes the door. And he walks over to Anna and he goes, he sits down on the bed next to her. I just wanted to say how sorry I am about Craig. Seemed like a really cool guy. And Zeke getting arrested again. I'm very sorry. I know you don't need me here in this stressful time. I'm I'm not helping you, which is a shame. Because I promised your brother Caleb I'd do anything I could to help your family. But just so you know, I'll be moving on in two days so you don't have to put up with me much longer. Okay? And she doesn't respond. And then he gets right up in her face and he goes, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's good. He fucking che- kill you. He changes and in, in it's menacing, yep. but subtle at the same time. It's, it's everything. It's everything you want from a scene like this. And it's masterfully done by Dan Stevens and, uh, make a Mi- Micah Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she responds. She's like, Okay. And he goes, good, like a smile on his face, gets yeah. up to walk out and he sees the CD and he goes, is this a CD you made me? Like totally excited. And if we even asked, oh. he goes, is it finished? And I'm like, I'm like, it's in CD form. So of course it's finished. <laughs> you idiot. That was me like taking a note, you know, we got to flip it over to see that line, that little line to see how many tracks on it. <laughs> That's or true. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, he says, is it done? And she's like, he goes, thank you. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> And he opens up the door and he and leaves the door open and he walks out. And she looks like so disgusted that he took that CD. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so it's perfect. It's so perfect because that CD represents what she thought they were, but they aren't. But yet at the same time, they are. But in David's eyes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, probably in her mind, she's probably thinking there was a. Oh my God! There was a moment when I like was falling for this guy. Yeah, and and she's the only one that truly understands and sees you know him for who he is. You know? Up until the last like ten minutes of the movie, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, from there, you cut to uh, dimly lit like parking garage at night. Uh, it's Major Carver. He's walking out like with with uh, with Austin. He's he's on a phone and he's like, I want every major, I want every contractor with a hundred mile radius. I don't care where they come from, KPG, ex military, or whatever. 
I need a team mobilized by the time I land. So basically, he's bringing in Blackwater dudes, right? Yeah, yeah, mercenaries. Love them. He's like, I'll give them the necessary mission specs in person. We can't risk a leak on this. Hangs up his phone. Uh, Austin's with him, and Austin says, good luck. And I know that they originally had a cut of this film where there was like, I think, 15 to to 20 more extra minutes with a lot more KPG stuff in it. They tested it, and it was like a little bit too bloated, so they cut all the KPG stuff, and then the audience was confused as to like why Carver just all of a sudden you know showed up and everything. So they were like, okay, let's go add a little bit in. And honestly, I think... The little bit of the KPG we got is perfect. It's enough to kind of like lay the groundwork for your mind to go crazy and think about like what this corporation is, but you don't get enough to kind of ever really truly know. And I I love that kind of storytelling. This this whole movie is a masterclass of not telling you enough, but yet making it like satisfying. Like you never truly know, but yet you also don't ever feel like you haven't been told the whole story. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like you, you know enough. Yeah. But you want to know more. You want to. Yeah. And then that's, that's great. Cause that leaves you wanting more at the end of this. This is a type of movie. I can, I can see a prequel for it. I could see a sequel for it. You can make yeah. a whole TV show about it, you know, like, and just completely, keep the movie the way it is, but you can add on to it because they layered so much stuff into this movie. And, and one of the things I love about it, I guess I'm just talking about it now because we're talking about the, the, yeah. the, the PMC the private military corporation, but that's, that's what I love about it is that it's a, it's a small film. It takes place in a small like locations and everything, but the scope of it is huge. And that's what I think is really cool. And that's what oh. I think is very carpenter-esque about it because we talk about that on on prince of darkness and the thing how the story and like what we're actually seeing is very small but the implications and and this far reachingness of it is is huge is big yeah totally agree totally agree um just you know make a make a whole series but keep dan stevens in it don't don't recast him or or just do a whole like in the same universe but have nothing to do with this character and just show us more of KPG or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would love that. I would yeah. love that. From there you cut to the next day. Anna's driving in the truck with Luke and they're having a conversation. We're like we meet the mid conversation. He's like, You took a picture of David's phone? Like kind of like shocked. She says, I paid for a reverse directory thing to look that number up online. It says it's the unlisted landline of a doctor in Miami. Except he's not a doctor anymore. He got the license taken away two years ago when he performed a facelift on this lady while he was drunk. <laughs> and so Luke's like, so David knows the guy? Maybe it's his uncle or something. And Anna's like, well, that's what I want to find out. And Luke's like, well, what do you need me for? She's like, I need you to talk to the police. The cops found those drugs in Zeke's room and they assume that they got their guy. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she's like, get any info on this on this guy meaning like the doctor right and then luke says do you really think david killed craig and the other guy she's like yeah i do from there and then luke kind of nods but he looks sad right yeah and my only note for this scene is uh you know anna dunn messed up by telling luke the plan unfortunately from there you cut to the classroom luke's at school he's sitting at his desk takes out his computer. He's looking at something on the computer. Suddenly one of the guys that was at the bar who got the shit kicked out of him has like a bandage on his chin. He's talking to a girl 
uh, in the front of the class and David or Luke's all the way in the back of the class. And he's the, the guy spots Luke and says to the girl, I'm sorry, I'll show you some magic tricks later. <laughs> yeah. And he walks over to Luke. Yeah, he was the guy that David punched, like, right in the chin. And that kid, like a glass jaw Joe, <laughs> went straight down like a fucking, you know, sack of shit, essentially. Right? Yeah, I don't even know. They don't even say the guy's name. But yeah, yeah. He sits behind Luke, and he starts jamming, like, a pencil into Luke. He looks at this computer screen that Luke has up. And it says, like, disgraced plastic surgeon to pay $2 million in damages. It's like a news news article, right? And the kid goes, hey, what's that? You looking for someone to do your sex change operation? And then Luke turns around after he jams a pencil in him again in the neck. Luke turns around and hits him in the face. No, it, Luke turns around and cold cocks him right in the face it is awesome and you it's cheer awesome. for it you're like yeah yeah but it doesn't really have that huge big it doesn't really have that big of an effect on the kid yeah because he like immediately goes you little bitch right and they start growing at it so uh he he grabs luke he throws him against a bunch of boxes and like uh chairs in the classroom apparently there's no teacher in there yeah I guess. yeah it's like no. study hall or something yeah, i guess so Luke like falls into the boxes, falls down. The 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 bully kid is like, "That's right, bitches!" Like <laughs> yeah, everybody all... in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, like he's like showing off and shit. Yeah, Luke picks up the yardstick and like hits the kid in the face super hard. Breaks the, li- the yardstick y- over his face. Yep, and the kid like screams, like yelps out, and he's like, "God damn it!" Me. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's great. It's great. From there, you cut to the inevitable secretary's office of the principal, and the two, Luke and the kid, the other kid, are sitting waiting to see the principal. The other kid has, like, a bag of ice on his face. Yeah. You know? And the mom, uh, Luke's mom, Laura, comes in, and she's like, are you okay, sweetie? And Luke just nods, and he goes, and then he goes, I'm fine. And the secretary says, Mrs. Peterson, she's like, you know, Mr. Alston will see you now. Suddenly, David walks in. Laura looks over at David before they walk into the office, and David's like, hold on a second. And he walks over to Luke, and he's like, what happened? And Luke says, this kid called me... Well, I cut that out. I didn't say that earlier. He's like, this kid called me the F word. Yeah. Rhymes with maggot. And he goes, so I broke the yardstick on his face. And David smiles. He goes, okay. Yeah. He's proud of him. He even says awesome. It's so great. Yeah. But it's important about the F word that he uses and, and, and him telling David that David can now use it as uh, ammunition in a second. Yes. So, so David looks at Laura. He's like, you know, I'll go in with you into the office with the principal. And Laura's like, oh, okay. And Luke just smiles because he's like, oh, he's proud of me. Yeah. They go into the office, cut to the principal, Mr. Alston, saying, you know, due to our school's zero tolerance policy, basically says, I'm afraid I'm going to have to expel your son. And the mom, the mom is like, wait, but what? And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And then David interrupts and goes, what did the kid call him? And Mr. Alston goes, what? And David goes, the kid, you know, you know, what's his name? That Luke hid in the face. What did he call Luke? And the principal goes, I don't. And he goes, did he call him a? F mag- <laughs> rhymes with maggot. F maggot. And, yeah, F maggot. And 
Alston goes, I believe that's what I believe that's what he said. Yes, but that's no excuse. And David goes, well, so that makes it a hate crime. And the principal's like, what? David goes, a hate crime. And I'd like to know how many others have been perpetrated against her son under your watch. A gay student targeted with physical violence finally defends himself and you're what? Suspending him? And the principal goes, well, we could consider suspension. And David goes, no, you couldn't. I'll be interested to see what the board thinks of you when this is in front of the entire country, not to mention our lawyers. (laughs) And the Mm. principal's like, what the hell's going on? And then David looks over at Laura and goes, do you want to sue them? And Laura stutters and doesn't say anything. And he goes, he looks back at the principal. He goes, we're suing you and the school board. And the principal says, I didn't even know he was gay. (laughs) David (laughs) stands up to get ready to leave. And the principal's like, "Uh, what about after school detention? And David stops with Laura and he goes, for how long? And the principal says, a month? And David goes, that seems fair. And the principal goes, after school detention, we'll we'll put him to work helping the prom committee set up for the fall dance. And David says, we'll agree to that. But I do not want to hear anything further about this young man being harassed. We understand each other. And the principal goes, I think we do. Mr. Who are you? And David says, I'm a friend of the family and nods. So (laughs) awesome. awesome. So So awesome. awesome. This is one of those scenes where you're just like, yes, it's it's it's, uh, you know, it's escapism. It's fantasy. It's everything you want to be able to say and do and get the reaction from the principal. You know, it's it's great. It's fun. It's I love it. So great. So great. And David. David and Laura are walking out. David walks over to Luke and leans into him and goes, after school detention for a month. And Luke goes, that's it? David goes, yeah. I'll see you later. And if if Luke let David go right here, his parents would still be alive. But no, no. Luke says, can we talk? Yep. Yep. He says, can we talk? Can I talk to you for a second? And thus nailing the coffin shut on his parents. Shut. Yes, the the nail in the coffin. Well, sort of. I'd say also uh, the, the you know KPG showing up at the uh, at the house too. True. But but yeah, this definitely doesn't help the case because um, David steps out into the hallway of the high school with Luke. No one else is in the hallway. It's like after school, I'm assuming. And Luke straight up says to David. So Anna thinks you you killed Craig and she's trying to make a case to the police so they'll let her boyfriend go. And David goes, Anna told you all this? And then he says, do you think I killed Craig? And Luke's like, I I don't care. But that's why she wanted me to check out the plastic surgeon in Florida. She wanted to know what the connection was there. He's like, David goes, yeah, why would I need a plastic surgeon? And Luke goes, to change your appearance, like the bones in your face and maybe scar up your finger so you don't have prints. <laughs> it's like, dude, while well, this kid is, you know, he's a gamer and nerdy guy, probably watches lots of movies and shit. No, this is this scene is cool, and I'll give you all yeah, my thoughts a, at the very end cool. of it uh, when you're done. Yeah, and so Luke goes, well, I mean, that at least that's what I figured. I know you're not really David Collins. I, I, I looked him up right after Anna said that. So maybe you don't want people to know who you are. A surgeon who would do that sort of thing is probably pretty rare. I mean, there's probably rules against it, but that doctor, well, I guess he needs the money, so he'd do that kind of work. 
David goes, that's an interesting theory. And he's kind of looking super angry at Luke right now. And Luke goes, look, I'm not going to tell anyone about it. No one's going to believe Anna. She doesn't have anything against you. You you killed her dad's boss too, right? (laughs) David's not saying anything at all. And Luke goes, I don't care. I'm not going to say anything. And David goes, well, why not? And Luke goes, because we're friends, right? And David goes, yeah, of course we are. And Luke goes, okay, I, I just wanted you to know. And has a big smile on his face. And then David goes, did, again, dude. David goes, did Anna tell anyone else about this? And Luke goes, I'm not sure. Her friend Kristen, maybe. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, go, and David goes, okay, thank you. <laughs> and that's the end of the scene. And that scene is so cool because two things. One, you can see David's facial reaction as literally Luke is figuring out his entire plot. And what I take away is his frown and what he's upset about isn't so much Luke figuring it out, is that a kid figured it out, is that his pride is hurt. You know, he's like, wait a minute, I thought I was... I thought I was the smartest fucking guy in the room. But, like, if you also take a step back and look at the scene as a whole, I'm like, this is funny. Like, this is kind of like, I think this is a funny scene because here we have literally a 15-year-old kid figures out your entire plan. And I think everything he says, everything Luke is saying is 100% accurate. It's what is the plan. And that's what's funny about it is because we're not hearing it from David. We're hearing it from a kid who figured it out. And I'm like, this is funny. This is like a humorous scene, you know? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's it, it's great on so many levels because there's tension because you're like, oh, my God, is Luke, is Luke going to get killed right now? You know, what, is David going to go off right now? But but it, and then suddenly it's yeah, it's funny. Like you said, it's all it's everything. Yeah. Just it's like, also cool, too. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait, this kid is knows his shit, you know, but then at the same time, you're like, oh, this poor kid. He doesn't even know what's in for him. <laughs> he, he doesn't know what he's dealing with or who he's talking to, essentially. Right. From there, we cut back to at home at the Peterson house, and Laura and David are doing laundry outside with the the clothesline and the you know like from Michael Myers and Halloween with the with the with the sheets and stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, with the sheets and like who does that shit anymore? Not not a whole lot of people. No, I, I don't I don't think so, but I think that this is I think you're supposed to feel shades of Halloween here. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think this is a slight homage to yeah. Halloween. Yeah. So Laura's, you know, saying to David, I you know, I wanna thank you I don't know what I would have done without without you being here. I don't mean just for today. I mean for like everything. And Raina, she's like kind of pouring her emotions out to David about how much she cares about him. You know, she said how grateful she is to him. Two large black SUVs pull into the driveway. The whole movie's gonna change right now. Very very quickly. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted, 
for seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. And now, back to the show. Bunch of dudes get out of the SUVs, including, and first and foremost, Major Carver. Walks up to Laura. And just real quick, just got a note. Um, uh, David went inside to grab more laundry, so he's not technically right there, but he'll be right back in a second. And he's not aware that these SUVs pulled yeah, up. Yeah, he doesn't he see did, them. He, he went in to grab the more laundry right before the SUVs pulled yeah. up. Sorry, yeah. I should have mentioned that. Ah, no worries. And Carver gets out of the SUV and says, excuse me, are you Amanda Pete? Uh, excuse me, are you Anna Peterson? <laughs> did you say Amanda Pete? <laughs> it's Amanda, Amanda Peterson. <laughs> and he says, uh, and Laura Laura says, no, she's working at the diner. I'm her mom. What, what's she done? And he goes, well... He goes, ma'am, uh, your daughter, she put a phone call into Fort Kenilworth a couple of days ago asking about a man named David Collins. She's like, yeah, she did. And he goes, well, you wouldn't happen to have seen anyone resembling this man, would you? And she holds up a photograph of who we think is David, but it's not David. And the photograph is a like he looks he's got like sunken. It's David, but he's got sunken in eyes. It looks like he's wearing like a hospital gown uh, and looks very disheveled and deranged. Yes. Very. Yes. Definitely out of sorts. And Laura goes, "Um, yeah, that that's David. And then Carver goes, when's the last time you saw him? And Laura goes, he just went inside. And suddenly at that moment cut to the sheets and the laundry moving around in the wind and you see from behind the sheets david with the hamper of laundry and he spots all of the guys from kpg and it's such a cool shot because it's kind of dollying in as the the sheets are blowing and he's standing there i think they used it even in the trailer but i love when when she's like He's inside right now. The look of of shock and horror on Lance Reddick, you know, Carver's face. He's like, holy shit. It's, it, you know, this is it, basically. He wasn't ready, mentally ready for that. But I do love when, when the, the sheets move. One of the guys, and first off, by the way, side note, I am a huge mark for like mercenaries and stuff in films. Uh, I liked, you know, in Logan, you know, all the mercenaries and shit and everything. I love the idea of a mercenary. I think it's a cool concept, you know, and everything. And I just, I like the visualness of it and with their black outfits and whatever. But uh, that guy with the big beard, you saw him in the first season in the first episode of The Mandalorian. He's the guy that kind of uh, gives some shit to the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian sort of kills all of his oh, all of his yeah. dudes. But he was right there, and I love how how fucking David, as soon as he sees them, just drops the laundry and fucking pulls that gun, pops two dudes, that bearded guy right there, pops the other guy that's like uh, uh, the second in command, pops them both like right in the fucking head. David is like headshot, headshot, headshot. Yeah, headshot, headshot. There's there's probably I want to say six or seven. I didn't track it, but yeah. there's about six or seven uh, mercenaries in there. Yeah, it's not he, it's not fifteen. I'd say, I'd say it's under ten. It's under yeah, ten. Yeah, and and so 
takes out those two dudes. They're shooting at David. He runs away from them, runs. He's outside, but runs into the window of Caleb's bedroom through the window. They're spraying the house with bullets. Laura's freaking out and screaming. She runs inside the house as well. Carver's shooting. Everybody's shooting at David, plastering the walls with bullets. David gets hit in the leg, but barely even winces when he notices it. Yeah, and like, that's that's where I took the whole thing about the um, the Tabasco sauce and everything, the fireball drink, because, you know, yeah, he, he sees it and he's like, ah, crap. Like, more like, ah, crap, I'm going to be impeded, not, ah, crap, I'm in pain, you know? Yes. And that's why yeah. I was like, I think they numbed his their nerves and everything, and that's why the fireball, why he enjoys it, because he can... It's something that he can remotely taste. Just, and I I'm agree. talking remotely, you know. Yeah, yeah. He rips a piece of uh, fabric off and like ties it around his leg, so he's clearly got a major wound, but he's not even complaining about it. Yeah. Uh, he he hops over the bed in Caleb's room, and the bed has like cabinets on it, the actual bed frame, and he opens up the cabinets, and that's where all his weapons are. His like, you know semi-automatic machine gun or whatever and just starts taking people out left and right yeah. right after that yeah one guy comes in with the shotgun uh and i love this i love the same time it happens in the movies uh he's walking by the bed and caleb i'm sorry not caleb uh david shoots his foot causing him to fall you know the guy to fall down basically and then you know the guy see the mercenary sees David aiming his gun right at his face. You know, he screams. Then David stands up and shoots the other guy out the window. For a movie that is a horror film or a thriller, the action is quite good. It's very good action here. Good blood packets. You know, good, like, not quite John Wick gun porn, but I guarantee you... This was the 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 precipice. This was the prequel to the John Wick gun porn. We 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 wouldn't have gotten to John Wick and like how how amazing it is to like reload and everything if it wasn't for movies like this because they do some interesting things with the mercenaries and kind of show how well trained they are and everything which also emphasizes how amazing David is if you can kill somebody that well trained. Yeah, totally, totally. And David's moving throughout the house, killing one yeah, guy pop, after pop, another. Pop. Yeah, popping. Yeah, in very like interesting, meticulous ways. You know, shooting one guy in the foot and then blast him in the head when he's in. David goes into Anna's room, and it's cool. It's really cool. It's it's an amazing sequence. I'm not doing it justice just des- describing it, but there's so much bullet play going on, so much bullet porn, as you said. Yeah, bullet porn. Yeah, totally. Bullet porn, baby. But and, but eventually and, ends up in. He ends up in the kitchen. With the mom and, uh, you know, and guys and gals, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, it's worth watching. Obviously, it's worth watching, but it's worth watching for this action scene right here. Yeah. Yeah. He makes his way finally to the kitchen where, yeah, Laura's cowering, hiding. And and she's like still on his side because she's like, David, what's happening? Who are those men? Yeah. Why wouldn't she be? I mean, she just met them. She's known right? David now for probably a week, I guess. Yeah. And David's, you know, he he's like very emotional with her and he goes, I'm really sorry about this, Mrs. Peterson. I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it would take too long to explain. This is not what I wanted. I wanted to help. I considered it my mission to assist you all the while I was here. There, there were just too many complications in all of Carver's men that are still alive. There's like maybe three of them left uh, are reloading their guns from outside 
And she's like, David, what are you talking about? Why are those men trying to kill you? He's like, it doesn't matter. And I like that. I'm okay with it. it, it I can't explain it to you right now. It, I don't have the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm. That's a perfectly viable way to not explain the backstory to me. Right. And and Laura, Laura is like looking at David. David has a knife in his hand at this point, and she's like starting to realize that maybe this David isn't exactly who. He said he was kind of based on the way he was talking to her. And she's like, did you even know my son? He's like, I did. And I can tell you, he would understand what I have to do here. And then she like looks down at the knife again and realizes in that moment that he's going to kill her. And she screams out, he's in, he, he's here. He's in the kitchen. And right after she says that, David says, I'm so right after she says that David punches the blade through her stomach and kills her dead. And he says, I'm sorry. I was not expecting her to die at all. Almost every time I watch this movie, I'm not expecting the parents to die. No, this is a shock. Yeah. You you immediately see her fall to the ground, blood spilling out, cut to Carver outside, and he's like, I'm going in, you know, cover me. He makes his way into the house, but when he does at that point, David's already made his way out. He spilled out into the into the driveway. He's in the Cherokee. He's in the, the, the mom's Cherokee. Yeah he, yeah, he gets into the Cherokee. He kills another soldier. Then he, smart, very smartly, shoots the tires of the different SUVs. So they, they have flat tires now. And he takes off. Carver comes out in pursuit, realizes that he's taken off, flips out, yells, fuck. Fuck! Right? Everybody's dead except for him. He's literally yeah. killed all those dudes. Yeah. Carver gets in one of the SUVs that has flat tires and drives off in pursuit of David. Yeah, fuck indeed. (laughs) David's driving down the road in Laura's SUV, and who's coming down home from work but Spencer in his little Ford Taurus heading right towards David. David drives his car directly into the Taurus, crashing both cars causing Spencer to be like fucked up stunned and bloody head hit the windshield. He's not dead yet. It's a full head on collision. It is brutal. This is immediately right after David gets out of the car, walks over to Spencer in the car. Spencer's like, David, what? And David goes, I'm very sorry about this, sir. And shoots him in the head dead, man, dude, immediately, dude, both the parents, I, I, not expecting either of them die ever. Anytime I watch this film, nope. David hops the fence that's off the road and starts running down a, you know, through a cornfield or something. In, yeah, yeah, into the New Mexico wilderness, basically, in the prairie, into the prairie. There you go. Uh, dude pulls up in a car to check out the scene. And at the same time, Carver comes from the other side of the road, finally makes it to the collision scene. He's driving on the SUV with like flat tires and shit. So yeah, at least he's going to have a chance to upgrade his car right now. Right. And the man, the man's like, I I think, I think he's dead. He looks over at Spencer who is dead 
And Carver says, I need military police. I need your vehicle. And the man's like, but I, and he goes, are the keys in it? And the man's like, yeah, but, and Carver gets in his car and takes off. And you notice the guy's like covering his face as the car drives past him, digging up dirt and everything. It was, yeah, it was, yeah I was like, okay. What the hell's going on here? Immediately cut to the diner where Kristen and Anna work. And he pulls into the driveway of the diner comes in sees anna and says anna peterson she goes yeah he goes my name is major carver military police i need you to come with me please and she's like i'm not going anywhere what's going on and carver's like it's about david mrs peterson he isn't who you think he is and then Kristen's there and she says to anna she's like is everything all right and anna's like i think so i'll call you later and she leaves anna leaves with major carver and it's cool because as as they're leaving literally as they're pulling out a a blue like SUV is like pulling minivan. in and uh, you're going to see that it's David because there's blood on the front windshield on the inside. So, you know, he fucking just capped some poor fucking soccer mom in the head and took her fucking van or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He pulls in. He goes into the diner. This is literally my f- my favorite scene right here. I this love this, and I will so many moments. I will elaborate on it when you're done with it as a whole. Okay, so David walks in, sees Kristen. He's uh, limping in because remember he got shot in the leg. Yep, but he's not yep. even wincing. And he says he sees Kristen. And he goes hi. He goes is is Anna working? Kristen goes oh she just left. And he and he goes oh David goes oh yeah where's she going? Kristen says I'm not sure exactly. David says, pick up Luke. He looks at her kind of cockeyed and he goes, never mind. Pulls the gun out and shoots Kristen in the chest and she's dead. Like immediately. Yeah. And she's standing in front of this like pool, like like blue pillar thing. So of course it's great. The, the back, um, squib hits the, you know, hits the pillar and everything. It's yep. Awesome. Keep going. Cause I still have more to say. She's dead. Everybody in the restaurant's freaking out. What the hell's going on? David turns around, walks out of the restaurant. But as he walks out of the restaurant, he gets to the front door and pulls out both grenades, pulls the pins from the grenades, tosses them very happily into the restaurant, exits the restaurant. And as he's getting in the car, there's a big explosion and it blows out all the windows of the restaurant. And I'm assuming everyone in the restaurant is now dead. Yeah. Or in, badly injured. Yes, yes. Probably badly injured because of the the shrapnel and everything from the grenade. So musically, I love this scene because when David walks in, there's a synth song playing. Yes. But it slowly transitions to Because I Love You by Stevie B. And basically, it's just the the way, I mean, you only, the scene is only like a minute long, maybe 45 seconds. It's not long at all. But the way they transition into Stevie B and the song singing, because I love you in the whole crescendo, as he's rolling the grenades, you know, Kristen is already dead. So again, I'm taking this. I'm like, Kristen's dead. This song is not about her, him loving her. This is about him loving Anna Maybe he doesn't even know it, but he I think he's in love with Anna and I will put the nail in the coffin at the end and I'll tell you why. But um, I love the scene and I love its use of music because the Stevie B song, it ends immediately when the whole place explodes, but it goes up to that point. 
it's just it's a masterfully crafted scene as far as like music and sound design goes. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. You know, poor Kristen's dead. Yeah, that sucks. It, yeah, never gonna see that. <clears throat> no. Nope. Anyways, uh, so from <laughs> here we cut girl. to we cut to Carver in the car with Anna driving somewhere, and Carver says to Anna. We're going to the rec center to get your brother. The police couldn't send a car there. They got their hands full. And Anna's like, you need to tell me what's going on. Who are you? You came here for David? And Carver says, yes. The soldier you know as David was one of the subjects of a medical experiment. While we had him under our study, he killed several people and escaped. He burned their bodies so it would confuse us. We thought he died in the fire initially. By the time we figured out what he'd done, the trail was cold. He also mentions that his spine was damaged in combat. And then Anna goes, maybe you should have tested your procedure on someone who wasn't a psychopath. And Carver goes, by all accounts, he was an ideal soldier. And Anna says, I need to call my brother. And Anna takes her cell phone out of her pocket and she starts calling her brother. Cut to the rec center and... Luke is helping set up stacks of like hay bales in this like dance hall room and there's Halloween decorations everywhere. His uh, cell phone goes off and he goes to answer it. And then there's a teacher in there, Mr. Lyles. And he goes, Mr. Peterson, is that a cell phone? And, and Luke like nods and he goes, didn't I tell you phones off, hand it over. You'll get it back after detention. And Mr. Lyles is great, too. Uh, he's, it's, he's played by Alex Knight. Um, I He was in Narcos. Uh, he was on Legion. Uh, he played a character okay. named Squirrel on Legion. He was also in Preacher. Uh, I personally don't really know him from any, of any of this stuff, but I liked him in this. I, this is, again, going back to the, what they said at the beginning of the movie, every character is great. Like, all the little side yeah. characters are great in this movie. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Totally agree. So he has a cell phone. Uh, so Luke doesn't get, you know, doesn't doesn't know what's happening. Anna leaves him a message to call her. Right after she hangs up with Luke, a bunch of cop cars drive past Carver and her in the opposite direction down the road. She's like, where are those cop cars going? And Carver says, somebody attacked your diner right after we left. Presumably our subject. And Anna's like, what? And he goes, I'm sorry. It was called in as an explosion. I don't know anything else. And Anna starts getting emotional, like she's going to start crying. She's like, is anyone alive? He goes, I don't know. It's possible that he left some wounded to keep them busy. And she's like totally shocked at this point, Anna is. And she goes, wait, where are my parents? You haven't mentioned my parents. And then finally Carver says, they're both dead. He killed them both before we could stop him. I'm sorry. And she's an emotional mess at this point. Of course. You know, and she's just crying. She's like, no. And Carver says, David has a neurological conditioning, Miss Peterson, designed to protect both him and the experiment. If he feels like his identity may be compromised, he's programmed to clean up all loose ends. I doubt he could stop himself now, even if he wanted to. That's why we need to get you and your brother somewhere safe. And I'm going to reference that specific piece of dialogue later to back up my point that I think he's in love with Anna. Okay. So from there, they make it to the rec center. I thought it was like that when he said rec center, I'm like, it, it looks like the school gymnasium, but it, that's, but he said rec center. Yeah. No, the first 
seven times I watched this film, I thought it was just the high school. But yeah, it's it's a rec center. It's, I think it's a different place. Um, and by the way, they go into it, and there's this maze to get to the, like the dance hall. And this maze is awesome, especially the the beginning, the image of the 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 jack o' lantern or whatever that's at the beginning of the, of the maze. It's a great fucking maze. Yeah, it's like a neon orange jack o' lantern when they walk in. It's huge that they have to enter through the mouth of. And Carver's like, "What is this?" And Anna says, "They this is for the fall dance. They do this every Halloween. It's a maze to get in and out. You have to enter in pairs. It's a it's a tradition." And so Carver's now like, "You know, we need to get to your brother right away." And I like how it's like, but I do like how Carver's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Come on, buddy, you've never seen a Halloween maze before, <laughs> right?" He's like, "We don't got time for this shit." Basically, so they go from one room one in this maze. They go from one room to another. They go through one room that's kind of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre wooden room. And there's like the wall kind of bowls in and makes a jump scare for you. And I love how Carver's like, "God damn it!" He like screams and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's like, funny. Well, that's that? that's the humor in this movie. I think you know. Yeah, he's he's like kind of freaked out now yeah they finally get into the uh it's like the main dance hall area i guess right yeah you hear mr lyles yell out he's like who's in here and carver yells he's like military police i'm here for luke peterson how do i get through this maze and then mr lyles goes left right (laughs) right left Left, right. Carver like left, fucking rolls his straight. eyes at him. <laughs> and he goes, you got that? And yeah, Carver's like, yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. So yeah, so they, they go from, yeah, they're like in a checkered room that has like fake blood everywhere. It's like a hospital type room. Uh, Luke still doesn't know what's going on. He's like sweeping at, at this point. Yeah, because it ends like at a main dance area. It's like that's where the, the maze leads to eventually. Yes, finally they get into the dance fall, dance room area, and Anna sees Luke. She hugs him, and then Mr. Lyle's like, excuse me, but you're interrupting detention. <laughs> Who are you exactly? And Luke's like, what's going on right now? And Carver, like, explains that, you know, we need to go now. And suddenly the lights go out, and... You see, you cut to like David's hands putting a his mix CD into the DJ booth area. Yeah, and the then, one that uh, she Anna made for him. Right, and then Carver says to Lyle, Mister Lyle, he's like, "Who else is in here?" And Mister Lyle's like, "No one. It's just the two of us." Carver says, "You know, where are the lights controlled from? Because the light, because there's like smoke machine, uh, a, a fog machine started, and the lights are changing." And Lyle goes, "Well, there's a DJ booth in the back." And Carver's like, we need to get out of here. Where's the exit? And L- Mr. Lyle's like, follow me. And so, but he like runs off basically. Yeah. And he runs them off into like a mirror room. And he's like, it's just this way. Follow me. But he like totally takes off like uh, Newt did in, in Aliens when she's <laughs> yeah. like leading the way. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. No, the good call, buddy. I was, I was like, this, this gives me shades of something. Cause especially since he's a little bit shorter than the other one. So he's got, yeah. when he runs, he's like, and it kind of like runs fast. Here, and in yeah, here, yeah in no, here. you're right. It is Newt. It's Newt. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if literally in their head, the filmmaker's head, they're like, we're going to kind of homage Newt right here. Yeah, totally. So it, suddenly, but you it hear kind like of a, goes differently for. for it this. doesn't go. Yeah, Newt did not. Uh, this is like if Newt did not make it to the, to the to the plane in time. Uh, so suddenly you hear 
Lyle get punctured by the knife and he's dead, right? Uh, he had a flashlight in his hand. You see the flashlight roll out into the mirror room. Carver's looking around to see what's going on. He tells Anna and Luke to run and go the other direction. They run off. Suddenly, Carver has his gun out, like ready to shoot David the minute he appears. But David, who has a box cutter in his hand, goes and slices Carver's arm, like the, the artery, the major artery in his arm, and cuts him. Like, just knows exactly where to yeah. cut him at the right spot. And Carver, you know, at this point now he's dying. Yeah, Carver gets one shot off. It's fucking awesome. Because, you know, Carver's like all doing like the proper close quarter pistol stance and everything. Yes. He's keeping it close to himself. He's doing his stuff. You can tell he's highly trained. And David literally runs straight at him, slices up like up from his wrist, up his forearm. And, you know, Carver gets one shot off. Carver gets carved and i think gets carved. <laughs> i think that's exactly. on purpose and, and then he and cl- crawls his way out of the maze only to die in a pool of his own blood yes and david says he goes you shouldn't have followed me i don't know what you expected dude and that was <laughs> ah, they, they, there's something about this shot that this line that the whole like i don't know what you're expecting because the music mix is like almost the same level as the the voiceover mix, so he's yeah. almost like lost in the mix. But I love it because I'm just I love it. He's like I don't know what you were expecting. Like of course, of course, this is the outcome. Like yeah. you saw David dispatch all these other mercenaries. Like Carver, I get it, but at the same time, eh, there was only one way this was going to end. You know what I mean? And it was with you dying in a pool of your own blood. Yeah, like you trained me for this, motherfucker. And you are, and Carver is not on the same level as David. No, not at all. Not at all. From there, you cut to Anna and Luke trying to find a place to hide. They're in like one of the maze rooms is now like a. It's like an alley set. Yeah, it's it's like an alley, like a like a. There, there's all sorts of you know. Just, barrels and, and fences yeah, it's and stuff. Yeah. yeah look like like a scene from nightmare on elm street or something and and anna's like you know luke goes anna it's just david i don't know what's going on but he wouldn't hurt us and anna's like you need to trust me luke come on and just come come with me and be quiet from there you cut back to david like a really cool shot of David sort of in the middle of the gymnasium. And this is where the Halloween three references there's uh, behind him. There's it. Well, his head He's like his whole face and his head is all in black and like shadow. And he's like looking, but behind him, the decorations on the wall are the three masks from Halloween three season of the witch, the, the skull, the witch and the pumpkin masks. And uh, their faces are all on the back of the wall and, uh, you know, on record, the the creators of this film love that movie. And this is like this is an homage to that film and everything. It's a super cool homage. Yeah. I love it. And there's like a weird cackling noise going off in the background. But it's just, yeah, just a moment to get those masks in there. Show how awesome that is. You cut back to Anna and Luke and. It's like a junkyard that she's that, yeah. that they're in now. Yeah. And and she tells him to hide behind the stack of barrels. She's like, you need to hide here. And he goes, 
He goes, no way. Look, David was probably just after that army guy. Let's just, let's just go talk to him. And, and Anna goes, no, Luke, he killed mom and dad. They're gone. And Luke's still in denial. He's like, no, no, you, you're just saying that. And then there's like a pause. And he goes, wait, mom and dad are, and she's like, please just hide. I'm going to lead him away. Don't come out unless you hear me or the police. And she gets him to finally hide. And she says, I'll come back for you. And again, I think like Luke's reactions are, you know, very much accurate to what a kid probably would be. Right. Right. So at this point now, David is in the junkyard area and he's calling out to Anna and Luke. And he's like, I'm really sorry about this, guys. I tried to think of another way to do it. Any other solution, which I believe, you know. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's kind of looking for Luke. And Luke is like holding the butterfly knife that David gave him, right? And he's getting closer to Luke, and Luke has the knife in his hand, like David's gonna kill Luke. And then suddenly he hears a sound that distracts him, like a like a crashing sound, right? And he goes back to like the mirror room. And he goes immediately back towards the mirror room into the uh, the dance floor area. And as soon as David's gone, like Luke's like, oh. Luke's okay. He's safe. Yeah. And so David goes into the back out to the dance floor where the body was, where Carver's body is, where the pool of blood was. And when he looks down where Carver's body was and the gun that Carver was holding was the gun is now gone and there's footsteps in blood. It's Anna's footsteps that are leading away from the body. Spoiler so, alert, I would not have been this smart if I were Anna. No, and I don't think most people are. No. But I still think it's cool that she oh, did this. No, it's awesome. I, I I wish I could say that I would have thought of the same thing, but realistically, I wouldn't have. No. No, because David's tracking the steps in the dance floor, the bloody steps, and it leads to Anna's boots. But there's no Anna in the boots. So she took her boots off. And I love the shot of it's like it's like it's David. You know, he's like sort of center frame. And he's like, ah, I good like sort of good job. I I know what I stepped into. He knows he stepped into a trap. And then you see behind him out of focus. Anna is, you know, behind him. And I was like, I I love that. I think that's really fucking cool. Yep, she's got her. She's got the pistol cocked at him and standing there in her bare feet. And she's like, you kill my parents. And he goes. I did. Yes. Like you got me. And side note real quick. Uh, this song is also awesome and it is titled Antonio. Uh, but it's a remix. It's like, a, I think I don't think it's the main song, but the artist, uh, his name is Annie. So it's oh. Antonio by Annie, but it's a different remix version of it. Yeah. It's a great, another great song, another great song. And, uh, she blasts David in the chest and David falls to the floor and he looks like he's dead with his eyes open. Yeah. Right? And then there's, I don't, I, I didn't hear if you said, but there's like a layer of fog that's like a foot high on the ground or something. Yeah. There's a layer of fog around the fog machines are on and she starts walking towards him. Uh, one minute she sees him there. The next minute he's gone. She spins around and she goes to turn around and, David stabs her in the leg with his box cutter. Fucking he stabs the shit out of her thigh, dude. He yeah, he sinks does. that shit in there. Yep. She falls down to the ground. She still has the gun in her hand. She fires off another shot, and the shot hits um, 
the a, a lantern that that is uh, being held by like a grim reaper and the lantern falls on top of the hay bales and starts a fire. Yeah. Yeah. So there's now a fire going on. David is now choking Anna and they're struggling on the dance floor. It's pretty funny because they're like struggling on the dance floor while the music is playing and the fo- s- smoke is coming in from the fire. Fog is coming in from the yeah. fog machine. Uh, they're battling back and forth with each other. And he's while, while David is choking Anna, he's like, just stop. You know, it'll be over in just a second. And he's calmly like choking her dead. And then suddenly Luke stabs David in the back with the butterfly blade. Of, of course, with his own yes. butterfly blade. It's, it's fitting, you know, it's the right? blade that he gave Luke. After he gets stabbed, Luke still has the knife. So he stabbed him and then he has the knife in his hand. David's now walking towards Luke and he's like, hey, Luke. Luke steps forward and stabs David in the chest. Yeah. So falls back onto the hay bale, not the one that's on fire, but falls back onto the hay bale. Now all the hay bales are starting to catch on fire, blood everywhere. And then David looks over at Luke and goes, Hey, you did the right thing. I don't blame you. Don't feel bad. Don't, don't feel bad. And then he gives him a, gives him a thumbs G. up. G.I. Joe thumbs up. As he's co- <laughs> sort of like slumps over dead. And I know that this movie, the critics called it like, you know, something meets Terminator. They they made a lot of Terminator references. Uh, the critics did in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if this right here, this thumbs up is an homage to Terminator two because oh, yeah. he, David is nice. Terminator esque in this movie, you know? And like I said earlier, I was like, is this what if John Carpenter made a Terminator movie without any like time travel and shit? And I was like, no, because I don't think David is truly a, 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 a machine. I think he's, you know, he's a human. Um, so that's why I think the, the captain America thing sort of fits better. But a lot of people made made Terminator comparisons when this came out, and I wonder if this thumbs up is is an homage. I can see that. I can see that. But now, now ever since you said in the beginning, I can't get my mind off. It's like I could see Bucky Barnes yeah. in Winter Soldier. Yeah. You know when he he's like, okay, yeah, you did the right thing. You know, you did what you had to do. My mission. I didn't complete my mission, but I'm gonna die. And 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 I and yes, I understand why you did it. You know, so I, and I think yep. this is another one of those not lies, true statements that that he says. I do truly believe this. Totally, totally agree. So there you have it. They have killed David, Anna, and Luke. They get out of the rec center. Cut to them sitting on a uh, the back of a uh, ambulance getting cared to by a paramedic and i like how what the, the paramedics like are you guys are you all feeling okay and i'm like she has a gaping wound in her thigh yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly you're not a bowler like yeah. you don't understand what's going on right now and yeah and anna's like yeah uh, yeah we're okay and uh and so the paramedic leaves them while they're sitting there on the ambulance and she walks to the front entrance of the rec center and sees a firefighter Paramedic says to the firefighter, what's the deal? Like, can I go in there? And the fireman says, I guess there's two bodies in there. Both of them are burned up pretty bad. One, one of the guys said their teeth are missing. One of the guys said their teeth are missing. Got knocked out. So I don't know what the deal is. As soon as they give us the clear, we can go in. 
And then at that point, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, Only two bodies they found? Yep. And, and so Keith, cut- yeah, busted out. We know that. Because that was mentioned earlier. I think it was the the hospital fire or something mentioned the teeth broken out. So, you know, that's a way to identify the bodies. And I think right. that's one of those things where the filmmakers are also relying on the audience to have seen enough thrillers that we sort of know that that dental is a way to, you know, identify bodies and whatnot. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, like you're assuming that the audience watching this knows what's up, knows thrillers and horror films. This movie never once talks down to the audience. No, never. Cut back to Luke and Anna on the uh, at the ambulance, and Anna's watching all the firefighters come out, and she sees one firefighter. All the firefighters coming out of the rec center have their masks on, and but one firefighter walking out is limping. And she gets looks a little bit closer at the firefighter, the limping one, as he's walking away from the rec center. He turns back and looks over at Anna, and you realize that it is David. And then cut back to Anna, and she goes, what the fuck? And you immediately cut to the title card of the guest, and that is how the movie ends. So awesome. It is with, with like the camera dollying into her face, and she goes, what the fuck? And then, boom, movie's over. Fucking love that ending. That ending is fantastic. But I do Great wanna, way to end a movie. Agree, but I do want to roll back to the dialogue that that Carver had with Anna in the car and he goes, you know, David is programmed to tie up loose ends. Uh, if his identity is compromised, he couldn't stop it if he wanted to. And you can tell that he's walking out right now. He's going to leave. He's not going to kill. He's not heading over there to kill them or anything like that. And I think that that dialogue coupled with the fact that he doesn't is not at this point trying to kill her. I think that is the example that he actually overpowered his programming because he loves her. And I'm not saying that this is kind of like he's going to be the good guy or something. I'm saying that this is a twisted version of his kind of love. You know, I think the dialogue when he's in the car with her and he's like, if I had a girl like you, I never would have gone overseas and been shot at stuff like that. I think that's all real dialogue. And I think here, right here, he walks away from her and and doesn't try to kill her, even though he knows he has to because of the programming. And I think that right there is proof this is a weird love story between David and Anna. And again, I say it's one-sided. It's twisted. It's not, not normal. It's almost as twisted as maybe Michael Myers is in Halloween 2, you know, looking for his sister and everything like that. It's, it's a twisted version of of love and everything. But I think weirdly, this is a love story between David and his perception of Anna. So the guest is a horror thriller, love story, action age, passion, action movie. Yeah, man, this movie sure. is literally fucking everything, everything. And you would think that it would be weighted down by all of its genres, but no, it expertly weaves its way through every single genre and becomes its own thing. And that's what I think is truly remarkable about this film. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. It's a modern day cult classic. Say it's a cult classic because it's not a mainstream movie by any means. Released by a mainstream studio, but still an indie film at heart. And uh, if you've never seen it, 
go out and buy it yeah. or watch it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again with a slightly more uh, refront, slightly more fresh perspective on it. Yeah. And you said I you're going to add it justice for you guys. And you said you're going to add this one to your uh, rotation moving forward, probably. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, rem- I, you know, watching it two days in a row or over the course of, you know, three days, watching it twice, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how much I love this movie, and everything we talked about, you know, I wholeheartedly feel is true. I think it's it's got very minor flaws, for modern day movies, don't do that all that often. You know, modern day movies have a lot of flaws where you're just like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. This is like, no, this is great with little things here and there. Yeah. And for me, my biggest takeaway is, or I should say two of my biggest takeaway is this is a great example of how to use just character actors everywhere in your film. And I think character actors bring so, so much value to this movie, you know, and, and also too, just a way to, to, you know, it's, it's a great example of how to build a world with a small movie, not a huge cast, not a lot of different locations or whatever, but yet at the same time, you're telling a story that has monstrous consequences. Like, it's very big. It's a big story, but told in a very small scale. And I think that's really fucking cool. But at the end of the day, Dan Stevens, uh, uh, Micah Monroe... Just smoke shows, you know what I mean? Both of them, you know, it's, it's, and, and I honestly, the mom, I have a big fucking crush on the mom the entire fucking movie, too. Everyone in this movie is beautiful, and I, I love it. I love this movie more every time I watch it. Yeah, I'm so glad we could break it down. I'm so glad we could kick off our spooktacular Halloween, October, whatever the hell you want to call it, with the guest. And, uh, you know what? You're going to have to wait and see what Corey's pick is. Um, for the other half of our month. But if you'd like to know what it is sooner than everyone else, join our Patreon. Um, Our Patreon has a lot of fun content on it. We have our exclusive Carpenter Factor, our cinema, our auteur de force, where we cover the entire filmography of selected directors. We're currently with uh, John Carpenter. We've covered everything from Dark Star all the way up to, well, this month we will be covering Christine in the month of October. So sign up to our Patreon. We've got a bunch of great interviews that are on there as well. We've got our podcast. Wrap Up After Dark. Wrap Up After Dark. All the good stuff that you know and love from us and a lot more. If you're already a patron, you know how rad it is. And if you sign up to the highest tier... We will break down and reviews the movies that you want us to per, you know, uh, Aaron and Robert. You can ask them because we tackled, you know, uh, Bachelor Party and Suburbia last month. Those were both Patreon selected films. So sign up to our highest tier if you would like for us to break down one of your favorite movies, Uh, you know, little caveat. Make sure a we we can it's available See, because we had a problem finding Robert's original film, and B, you know, no softcore porns, no uh, Emmanuel's. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the only like caveat. That. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You can you name it. We'll do it. We'll uh, do it. Slight <laughs> exceptions. Slight exceptions. Very slight but, exceptions. But if you if you want to hear some Emmanuel type of stuff, go check out Aaron over at uh, Manic Movie Monday. I I'm oh, going to yeah. be on there eventually talking about Black Emmanuel. 
when I'm I have sure a chance. You will. I'm <laughs> sure you will, baby. But uh, Zach, uh, yeah. what what do you got going on over a two dollar late fee in October this month, man? Uh, oh my we're gosh. getting into spooky season. What do you guys have going on for spooky season? This month is uh, is quite an oddity. We have currently playing uh, our top three obscure horror films, uh, f- movies that we consider fairly obscure, not necessarily mainstream. And we're joined with uh, a guy named Chris Mayick. He's a kind of a YouTube uh, sensation. He's interviewed like countless people on YouTube. He's got a huge following, but he, uh, Dustin joked that he's kind of like his, his, our little son, because the guy's like much younger than us, but he's got a horror knowledge that is pretty amazing. So the three of us brought, uh, separately brought three movies to the table to discuss lesser known horror films, obscure horror films. And, uh, that's kicking off this month, followed by a three o'clock high reunion episode, uh, because three o'clock high is celebrating its 35th reunion this month. And we're rounding out the month of October with a, monster squad reunion nice uh, perfect yeah so we've got a lot of reunions a lot of horror a lot of fun stuff three o'clock high is not a horror film but it's definitely traumatic from a high school perspective yeah. <laughs> uh man we're busy 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 uh and it's all good stuff so go check out two dollar late fee and all the things that we have to offer and check out our patreon too if you're so inclined if you're not we totally understand but go uh you know leave a, a five-star review or spotify review little uh little little heart action there yeah whatever you got to do to boost our signal because the more podcasting after dark the more two dollar late fee you get in your life the better your life is isn't that right cartwright <laughs> that's, that's right cartwright <laughs> Yeah, Adam and I are barreling to the end of Seinfeld with Cartwright, but uh, we have a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm still ahead of us because I think we are just started recording Season 5, and they're up to Season 12. So we're rocking and rolling over at Cartwright. Wow. Make sure to check us out over there. We always have a blast. Uh, but, yeah, this month is going to be fun. Next week will be a TV Obscura episode, all Halloween one. We have something fun uh prepared for that one and then yeah david irons thank you david irons and uh then after that it'll be my halloween movie breakdown and then we'll release a spooky interview uh over here on the on the feed and then guess what next month in november it's a grab bag finally zach and i get to pick a movie randomly from our stack to to break down so we have no idea what's going to happen but then christmas will be right around that corner and we got some good shit playing for christmas so this is a great time of the year it's my favorite time of the year i love this time of year always something fun happening always something going on go check out every podcast in the bfop network check out talking back blast from our past throwback trivia takedown action action cartwright a seinfeld podcast return revenge resurrection people don't forget you know the routine you know the deal bfopnetwork.com also check out all of our friends check out check out two dollar lafey check out ready to retro check out dawn of the dead check out manic movie monday give me back my action movies give me back my horror movies the jacked up podcast we have so many friends out there it's so, so fucking cool love so being a part audio. of audio right dude how cool is it being a part of the podcasting world my friend love it wonderful love it love it so we hope you guys enjoyed uh, the guest hope you guys go out and check it out if you've never seen it before, it's a great fucking movie. 
And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.